I see the Mexican wave kind of like mass. When I was a kid, like I loved the Mexican wave. When I was a kid, I used to go to mass and you know, this is something different. And then when you get a bit older, you're like, this is a load of crap. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Half past seven Friday morning, OTBAM. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. Morning, Colin. Colin, how are you getting on? Salute to that. Nice. Uh, we always to, we've always tried to outdo yourself. The hardest is this? man in show business, Adrian Barry. I threw uh, on news round last night, as is my want. Mm. And <laughs> I, you're unmuted. That uh, just, it's, it's only right. It's only right with a jacket like that, says Adrian. Yeah. I threw on the news round last night, mind my own business, uh, during the dinner, and upsets Adrian Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Presenting. Present- yeah. 12 hours before presenting this show some sort of employment law infringed there is there a double whammy of Adrian Shane you're still muted I, I, uh, I believe which I mean I think that from the audience YouTube, YouTube commenters let us uh, know if you want to st- call him to stay muted or if you'd like him to do a one two three there and see you you're live or where are you well, it should be fine. I think uh, friend, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're up and running. Okay. Good man, good man. Well, I was told I was muted. Thanks, I for coming, thanks for coming in. Well, I was told I was muted. I then I muted myself by flicking he's, over. He's, he's a bit, bit slow today, Shane. He's a bit slow. Mm. I'm actually, uh, I've, never been, I've never been faster. What I was trying to say was, um, I, com- was you know, the bit, I was complimenting your uh, presenting skills. Comes a bit with aging, I find like it it's, does. You know, you, as you move, cycle through the years. Whoa, hang on. Someone's birthday today, isn't it, Colm? Happy birthday, Colm. Thanks. Birthday wishes, Colm. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell us what number it is, or? Is ah, look, private? listen. You know, in life you do. In life you do. You're a big thing. Uh, at a certain age, apparently, and uh, that's been the last year. And look, it's just. What? What? what, what, what the combination of words made no sense. What so in life, apparently you do. You're a big thing at a certain age in life. Like. Get uh, a bit dithery, isn't he? With it? And <laughs> that was uh, that's a that's a 33 years of age is the great thing oh, you do in life. And that was, that? that's been the last year for me, so now I'm a, a year older. What are you talking about? So now you're 34. I'm now 34. Can you make any sense of what uh, I'm talking about? And look, it's been a good year. Uh, we got there in the end. You, uh, What's your point about being 33? I don't I don't. I was told one time, in this, uh, I was in a lecture there in college one time, and uh, some lecturer said, uh, apparently the year that you do the greatest thing in your life is 33 years sure, of that's age. Just that's just bullshit. Like, that's that's the bullshit. All right. Like, I'm uh, just talking. It's doing a bit of talking. My God almighty. At least I haven't so, reached that yet. You anyway. I was thinking about that in the last well, year. Well, producer of OTBM then must be it. Is that, that what we're saying? Mm. Well, no. Buying that jacket. Fair, but don't know. But I was, oh, uh, wow. I was, wow. uh, no, I had some good moments in the last year and uh, I just, just What were they? Come on, give us some reflections on highlights. the year that was. No, just, just a lot happened. I was just looking there in, thinking this morning, oh yeah, that happened in the last year and that did, yeah, but I'd rather not divulge, like, but it was just wow. uh, an interesting last 12 months and uh, I'm just happy to be here. Well, we're delighted and to have uh, you. Thanks and, for having uh, me on. You know, at times people have commented on a bit of tension between us, but it's a good opportunity. Between to, you and I? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to have that. that. The feedback has come via yourself. So, um, mm. but listen, it's, it's uh, you know, I think it should be said that, you know. I was asked, yeah, uh, I was saying, do you, does yourself and your man Asian get on? Yeah. So I go, very well, why? Yeah. And then I watched back and I was like, oh, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, it's just sometimes tension, you've yeah. got some outrageous. Okay. Well, no, I only respond yeah. to you, really. I'm just responding to the way you talk. Oh, that's fair do you know that's what fair I mean? No, I like I, to just sit back sometimes and watch the two of you go at it. Like, and just, it's, it's quite entertaining when you disagree on something. 
And uh, I think the YouTube commenters would potentially agree. Nearly with most he says, to be yeah. honest with you, Shane. But like, yeah. Yeah. Well, same. I don't not, think not, it'd be an inexactitude. We could have top five things that we agreed on because it would be like it would be a short list. Anyway, like, listen, know. happy birthday. Are you, what, what have you got planned for the weekend? Is there? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think. Well, um, there's the, 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 the work Christmas party tonight, Shane. That well, we'll, of course. we'll all be there and we'll be. Well, will so you be there? We'll, so we'll see you at that, yeah. Will you be there? Oh, yeah. You told me you weren't going the other day. Definitely going. You told me the other day you weren't going. 100 going. You definitely. So you'll be at that anyway with your colleagues. No, I. Colleague that you are. No, I'm being. I'm being taken away um, I'm actually going to judge how well this conversation is going by Jojo's reaction out there he's if he put his uh, head in his hands being like what are you talking about but mm. this is uh, me and you both Jojo um, yeah. no like I'm being taken away and uh, so I so I don't know where I'm going it I, don't know, it I don't know where I'm going I don't know where I'm going this evening but uh, right. it won't be the Christmas party anyway We'll we'll have a drink in well, your honour. Congrats! Your anyway. Thanks very much. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be, it'll be it'll be the worst party uh, uh, for the fact that you're not there, Shane. Is always obliged by contract that's to say fair. that, even though. It's yeah. Well, no, that's uh, ah yes, sure, Lucas. Um, but no, no. Thanks for that. Thanks for the birthday wishes. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, the jacket is loud enough, says uh, Jim Sullivan. Jacket is intense, but I'll allow it. Uh, says Spectrecore. Mm. Uh, I would go with jacket is intense. But let's not ever. I actually found it. I found it in the back of the wardrobe there this morning. I was like, Jesus, yeah, there's that yoke. Oh, I must wear that. And I said to Shane, I was going to wear something. Yeah, and then yeah. you went very. Uh, I totally forgot this morning. The snow put me. The snow put me off, lads. Completely threw me off kilter. I was like, now, I woke up and looked out. And I was like, ah, oh, what? Since I was with you last, Shane, you you were ratioed online. I was ratioed, yeah. Oh yeah, well you, you can't say anything these days. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I I had a take. You had a take, um, and people felt it was cold. It, yeah, people. Generally speaking, some people agreed with me. Um, mostly, the people that agreed with Did me they? messaged me directly, <laughs> as opposed to voicing. This is their very opinions. Donald Trump. A lot of people have been in touch. Yeah. A lot of people have reached out to yeah. me to tell me. But everybody you've seen have said something else. But Just I was correct. People in my yeah. So re- I, did re- people really DM you? Well, or are you just making that up? No, genuinely, okay. pe- people message me. Goes, I, I, I actually agree with you. Okay, and I'm talking about ex players as well. Your dad and your sister were in touch. No, literal <laughs> pundits of the game. Um, so Cal oh. Lanny set me up. Come on, do you want out anybody? Because I, I assume they messaged me directly because, because they didn't want to be seen. They didn't to be, be seen to be oh, agreeing with me. Oh wow! Um, but they did agree. Uh, a good number of them <laughs> offline. Good number offline. Good number. Of course, the the ones online. So the the take was essentially: Cal Milani set me up and said, "How do you think Kilmacud would fare at an intercounty level?" Yes, yeah, I said. Question, well, yeah. I said they'd probably win the Talton Cup. Um, now, if I was feeling a little bit. I don't uh, be backtracking that. On the fence, I would have said they'd probably win Division Four, which one hundred percent is fact. Is fact. Um, but I probably took it a step further and said, um, <laughs> but as Limmy, the great Limmy once said, don't back down, double down. <laughs> so I'm going to double down on this and uh, just back myself. Yeah, I think I think with it, with with um, with Mannion and Walsh in the team, they'll, they'll do some damage in Division Three and hence challenge for the Talton Cup. Surely, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not saying outright uh, like Westmead and Cavan clearly are. Strong I don't think squads. they would. I don't think they would. I don't think they would. I think that look at I, uh, I it, it's not um. It was been certainly some of the people that had been ratioing you were presenting it as a very binary conversation. And it isn't that because it can't be by the very nature of the fact that that uh, you know the club can get better as Crokes have done by bringing in Shane Walsh. Um, like it, I you know I it's a it's a it's a, how do I best word this? Like it's a hard comparison mm. because you have a lot of players on that Crokes team. And we're using those as an example, but as you said yourself, you could be talking about any of the clubs that compete at the top end. Yeah, that's the point. Who yeah. wouldn't obviously have a chance of getting onto a, an intercounty squad, which yeah. uh, which is the difference. Even if you're playing for a Carlo or or whoever or a Monaghan or one of these uh, so-called weaker oh, counties, Division One team um, for the last that, that, ten years. You know that that you have to be at a certain level, no matter what county you're at, to get 
to that grade. Yeah. So, um, well, Kilmacud wouldn't beat Monaghan. Not a chance of that. Um, yeah, well, I, I, it'd be, I, I would be interested to see. It's such a hypothetical question that we'll never get to see a competitive answer for. Yeah, that's. I thing. would be interested to see. I can't imagine there's a huge, huge amount of intercounty teams that they would beat. Some people saw it as disrespect to Kilku and Glen and these other teams because I was looking past Kilmacud and Kilmacud haven't even won the All Ireland yet. But and I actually it think it wasn't the point you were. Making. It wasn't the point because I, I would put lump Kilku and. Uh, Glenn and I actually in the same clip said I think Glenn will win the All-Ireland this year yeah. Um, but yeah some of the comments were uh, were interesting to say the least so Liam on Twitter said this has to be the worst comment ever made in GEA oh, wow. which was uh, Up top three anyway I'd I, say yeah. uh, these lads haven't got a clue says John these lads being me um, Thomas says can't even win the All-Ireland club but they c- come through a shockingly poor Leinster championship and people think they can beat into county sides Kilku and Glenn licking their lips at the Kilmacud hype train Mick Foley um, of course opinion we very much respect Sunday Times I'll always remember Carl Mannion from St Bridget's telling me he came back from a club winning campaign to Division 3 football with Roscommon and his head was spinning for the first half of his comeback game it's an apples and oranges comparison pointless fair enough it probably is apples and oranges as you say we're never going to actually Inside, find out yeah. and Eamon McGee uh, said no Cora Finn were the greatest club side of all time and they wouldn't win it um, they, like he, he kind of, Eamon's suggesting they'd probably, probably come within 6 or 7 points of yeah, that's not a monster gap. That's why I say it's not a binary conversation. Yeah. Right? Like, that's not a huge gap. And uh, obviously, these teams can get, you know, they can be, uh, they can get a little bit better. They can get a little bit worse. Yeah. And like, divisional sides like East Kerry, like, we kind of spoke to David Moran about it on the show yesterday, and he was kind of, divisional sides will probably beat, like, East Kerry yeah, will probably beat a lot of sides. Yeah, it's true. They, they're half county sides, essentially. Yeah. They're, they're weird. <laughs> bit strange. Talk, talk of Ross Common going, going that direction as well now. Right. For changing the structures to divisional. So, interesting to see. Um, I was at uh, Crow Park supporting Crooks on uh, Sunday. Not, not the Westmead Club, as we've no, no, deciphered. as we've established. I get in at half time in the hurling, and it was uh, I had two young kids with me. Just before anybody mentions that, so knocking four hours out of it was definitely going to be impossible. So Fair I enough. think a match and a half was as good as we're going to get. What a half of hurling that second half of the uh, Ballyhale game was! What a half of hurling! They were. It was one of those games where you just everybody accepted at half time that the game was over, yeah. and then suddenly they'd got it back. And I was there with a six year old and four year old was trying to coerce them into like uh, you know um, being engaged as much as they could with the game and like that's hard enough battle at the best of times but the fact that the drama was like hyped up and everybody like I found myself jumping up at one point one of the goals went in and I was like come on that's <laughs> it like you know the way you sort of have having a battle with yeah, someone yeah. from around you so listen uh, very good and then, the, and then the football was very disappointing mm. uh, there was a, a Downs lad sitting beside me and he said Ara, it was only the game was only about 15-20 minutes old he said sure it's like a training match for them it's and that was strange, like, it? it was huge disappointing. Uh, the attendance was also like the whole atmosphere was. I don't know why the game was at Crow Park. I have to say, mm. couldn't the, if they put it into. I don't know what the official attendance was, but it wasn't. I can't imagine if they put it into Parnell Park that it would have been uh, anywhere near full. And I'm not even suggesting it should have been a Parnell Park because yeah. you're probably giving an advantage over to. Well, maybe not to Croke so much, but you could have had it in any big Leinster provincial ground that you want. Um, it doesn't. I, maybe there's a reward for the players that you, you know, if you get this far, you get to play at Crow Park. Mm. That's the biggest bit of the argument I would buy. But by and large, it was a bit soulless. Yeah, I understand it from the uh, from the promotion point of view. I understand why it's at HQ. Like I get that. But was it the where you were sitting the only side of the same that was populated at all? Yeah, yeah. There yeah. Was just like so, you were looking into the ether. There was, yeah. there was exactly. There was like a good portion of people on the Hogan stand in their regular lower tier seating and the premium and that was it there wasn't a soul anywhere else and I will say the other point that I obviously go back to a lot around the GA is the elitist uh, approach 
our collective elitist approach to GA in mm. that we have conversations and we focus on the top four or five teams in the country and that's it. And uh, I have a real bee in my bonnet about that one. But coming from a county like Westmead and a club like Atlone that I come from originally, uh, like I haven't really been outside of a few spikes with Westmead at, time, uh, yeah. at times. Been that exposed to like how amazing it is to support a team that are uh, like you won't really have too much of an insight into that, Jane. Well, uh, county level? You'll have a little bit. Uh, yeah. Great yeah, days yeah. winning Ulster Championships and, yeah. and staying in the... Not, not like it's not like uh, what I'm talking about is like the Dublins, the Kerrys, Donegal's, more latterly, mm-hmm. Mayo, uh, Galway to a lesser degree over the years, um, like that sort of thing where you're where you're I you know I get a bit of an, in, an insight parachuted into a club that are successful and are always sort of there thereabouts. It's an incredible experience. I have to say, I feel a bit like your man in the Matrix who's mm. like you know he gets the offer of which I have to go back to real life where you know you can do all this stuff or. You know, you know, you're you're eating the steak. You've taken and the you kill know the, the steak is uh, fake. Yeah, but like at the same time, you get to eat the steak and it's and it's tasty. And tell so, me, yeah. um, the man who was next to you uh, at Crow Park from the Downs. Yeah, he was that talking to you. Number one, uh, did he know who you were? How would he know I am? No. Did well, you told me another anecdote about a shopping centre recently where the, um, some Santa knew who you were. Santa's Oh, that wasn't a shopping centre. That was yeah. the, Santa uh, knows you. Santa that was knew the, you were. the Chemical Croaks. Uh, we had our, our uh, Academy yeah. um, Santa Day yeah. on Saturday. And Santa they knew who you were. He was probably confused by the he's, West, West Mead accent. He, he said I was on the naughty list. He called, Santa called me out straight off the bat. No doubt. You're on the naughty list for the stuff you've been saying about Croaks. Yeah. And I was like, Santa, it's not me. It's the other guys. So he didn't know. Okay, so second, did he pick up on an accent? No, no. None of, none of the above. Okay, and if he had, do you think he would have been outraged that Not a Westmead man was going against a Westmead club? He, if if he was a very one-dimensional character who thought about things that way, fair enough. But then if he had understood that I was literally a paying member you, of Chemical Croaks and was there like twice a week, every week. But is it not in any way conflicting in any uh, moral of your being that none, you're going against absolutely none. a club I, from your own county, regardless no, of where they're from in your county? I have no affiliation with the Downs at all. In the slightest, whereas I pay my membership for Chemical Croaks, I'm there twice a week. They get plenty of those membership fees as well. There's four thousand. Is, is there that much hostility between Athlone and Monongar? It is not. It's nothing to do with the hostility. Like I'm outside of Athlone, no matter who they were playing. Do you hit the downs, Adrian? Just, just admit it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get off the you, yes. you tried to join a GA club Qu- quote up that. in Dublin, quote right? that. And yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they wouldn't have me. They, they, they I couldn't do that. They wouldn't have him. They wouldn't have him. Imagine. They didn't even, they didn't even reply uh, well, they didn't pick it up on the email, but I was, uh, <laughs> I emailed. I was like, look, this is my he situation. Gave a big life story. No, I, I was like, can I just, can I just train with you? Yeah. And uh, it's only down the road, like, it rings end. And uh, no reply, like, never got a reply ever. I'm yeah. just checking my junk mail, but I don't, I never got a reply. I never got a reply. I could train with the team in Dublin, but I could never, ever play for a different club. Like I play, I play soccer back home with one and ten. Ah, will you stop? But I couldn't, I couldn't play for a team up in Dublin. I couldn't. Huh? Not a chance. That's like Simon Zebo saying I, I play with, for Leinster. I train with them and then go home for the game. Yeah, you're talking about uh, either or, either code. Ah, stop. Shit. Not a hope. That's ridiculous. Too loyal. If they were offering, offering you now fifty quid, one, fifty quid a week, you'd be one man, one club, one woman, one club. You, you've one club. If they were offering you a little bit of cheeky. Crease the wheels. First of all, I wouldn't be. I, w- I wouldn't be getting money off. It wouldn't but, be that standard. No, I wouldn't be that either. standard. But I mean, I just never would. No, I wouldn't do it. Like I'm living in Dublin now, but Asher, that's daft. Not a, not a hope. I'm no, surprised. No. Maybe I'm uh, really misreading the rumours. I'm a Monaghan so Harps. Interested to know if there are people out Mon- there who are in the same boat, but Monaghan Harps club man and GA Monaghan Town that makes and no soccer. Sense. It does make sense. It's the club I grew up with and played with since I was six or seven. 
Do you know? You have a loyalty to your but club. Tr- you do. And then you You can't move. just turn around because you then, move up to the big smoke yeah, and all of, of a sudden start wearing your fucking scarves and your... Of course you can. Cheese and wine. And, you and for practical reasons, can't you? Richard Redbone. Like Shane, w- Shane Walsh style. Like, I, I, don't, I wouldn't no? be training with the club. Shane Walsh loves Galway, but it makes You're more sense for You're the anti-Shane Walsh. I'd never play with a different club. But that doesn't well, mean now, I have to say. You're here full time. If I lived in Cork, do you know, I, I yeah, couldn't, I couldn't the, travel home from a match. Yeah, it's but three dub- hours. Like, Dublin yeah. to Monaghan is, is grand. You know. um, Richard Redball says that Adrian gets invited to present medals in Kilmacutter this age. I mean, I haven't done. I'm certainly open to the offer, but that hasn't... Uh, uh, Michael says elitism in uh, Irish sport is an issue Crokes are a great example of this in my opinion and I uh, have a half an hour response to that Michael at some point that I'll give you but uh, the short version of which is it couldn't be any more elitist uh, you're coming from a place there of having no insight into the club whatsoever couldn't be any more elitist couldn't be any any less yeah. elitist no you're right actually, what, I, what I meant to say Elaborate thank there. you for pointing that out Shane uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really the opposite of that it's, so it's Kilmacud your absolute number one club now over anyone else I know Anybody. if they were playing at loan I'd, I'd be supporting at loan ah, no so all that membership stuff there's no question about that they mean no, so much to me and it was like ah but we're really comfortable no of course that, well, that, that's, that's, that, that would be ludicrous that I would support against well, the it's club ludicrous to me that you're not supporting a Westmeath club the downs who haven't been there for 50 years you're just saying that to get a reaction I'm not at all I'm just wondering your thinking behind it well, hypothetically, how, I can't even see you over there for the and for how the quickly how, <laughs> how quickly your loyalties change just like that so, let's say you're a player now Adrian for Kilmacud yeah. and uh, you, you draw Athlone in a Leinster like Championship the game yeah. the, the, uh, this is a massive <laughs> hypothetical uh, you, you'd line out happily for, you'd happily line out for Kilmacud against, against Athlone if I committed to playing for Crokes then of course could, like, sure, there are examples of this everywhere. It's not like I wouldn't be the first person to have ever done this. This is like happens all the time you in every clubs. sport. You can have two clubs. You can. You don't need to be dictated to by anybody, Shane. You can have as many bloody clubs as you want. You could kill McCoy Athlone half and half scarf. That's not a bad idea. I do. I, think, I'm I do not think as outraged cr- by the half and half thing as most people, to be honest. But I do think it's crazy ruining us playing for a Dublin club. Just think about it. You prolong I, your career. I train with them. I just think it's crazy. Would you be disowned, or was, is it your own sense no, of loyalty? It's my own sense of loyalty to, my, to the town. Um, I've got the 047 tattooed on my wrist. It's, it's, it, by the way, I have to say, this is a conversation that we need to come back to someone because that is, of, of, uh, in the ludicrous things you've said this week, Shane, that is, that is pushing for number one. Up my um, Jim Sullivan says that, Shane, are you, uh, are you freezing in your tidy black t shirt? Uh, I'm actually lovely and warm. The studio is actually a nice temperature this it's morning. It's toasty, yeah. Thanks for pointing out the tidy, white, uh, the tidy black t shirt. It's. Yeah, it is a bit tight, isn't it? But sure, look. It's toasty here. Fashion um, 101 this morning. And um, on the same note, uh, didn't know you covered breakdancing lads, says Greg London. Which reference, is a uh, comment to yourself there, Colm. Here's an answer to a question you haven't asked. Melbourne 2014. That's where I got it. The Australian Open. Didn't nobody asked it. Nobody yeah, cares. Well, just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, you might have thought I, I bought it especially for you this week. Um, we have a minute and a half now. So... This slot probably this is we're, we're rebooting last. It was so successful last. It was week. so successful. The numbers were so big, Shane. Give the people what they want. Oh, I just have a few. Um, I just have a few. List thoughts. here as long as your arm. Go on. I just have a few thoughts. Colin's highlights week. from the. You pitched it last week that you know you hadn't been on since the World Cup started. Now I don't know what your pitch here is, but go on, get into no, it. No, I'm just continuing my work. It's just during the what World Cup. This will happen, really. What is it? So I have a few thoughts. I've, I've written them down here. Um, so when a player when a player scores a goal at the World Cup, right? Uh, what instantly happens underneath their name is that their World Cup stats for their entire World Cup life time is given so i.e. Ronaldo has scored five goals in his entire World Cup but what I want to know is how many World Cup goals they scored in this tournament mm. I want to know who the top scorer in this tournament is yeah. so just a little pet peeve there with FIFA don't know what you think on that by the way at any moment here you can just stop me if you want to chime in sure I, 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 no no if anything interesting comes up really. <laughs> I wouldn't I'd like quite. FIFA to get something wrong I, I think yeah yeah um, Conchalo Ramos the new superstar of uh, world football now 21 year old Portuguese sensation up front
moment. Um, his third goal, the little dink finish. Mm. Was that just invented about a decade ago? I don't remember dink one-on-one finishes in the 90s or the noughties. So when the ball was getting away from you, Nanny was a big purveyor of them from Manchester United. Tough skill. You're about to, you're about to flick it either side of the goalkeeper, but instead you dink it. I think that's a relish, relatively new phenomenon in football, open to correction yeah. on that. Well, I'd like coffee. to see more of it, including the scoop the scoop goal. Oh, uh, Bubakar. <coughs> Bubakar. Oh, I'd have more well, scoops. Well, uh, Kyle Kaparski did that at Euro 96. I'm always up for more scoops. Yeah. <laughs> um, ice cream. Ramos' first goal at that game. The left-footed shot, uh, top oh, of the uh, That would be that's the uh, open play goal of the tournament for me so far. Oh, I would be uh, Charleston. That. Uh, here's a question for you: Which will be more aesthetically pleasing today, uh, jersey-wise, Brazil versus Croatia or the Netherlands versus Argentina? Oh, the Netherlands, Argentina. I'll probably go with that. Yeah. Old school, really? seventy-eight. Yeah, Croatia. Are we saying Croatia is nice? It'll be the blue, won't it? Or will it be the the red and white today? Red and white um, versus the yellow? Or red, oh, red and white versus yellow, surely. Will it be? Sure, yeah. oh, there's enough contrast there, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, also, on, get a move on. Yeah, I know Ronan's waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they just haven't changed their jersey in so long, so it's always the same. Uh, Portugal's Octavia is my favourite player of the World Cup. Love watching him. Right. Creative midfielder, plays for Porto. Hope to see him in a Premier League near you the soon. Hipster very, jacket, hipster player. Very, very good player. Yeah. Really, really like him now. Uh, obviously, Portugal look much better without Ronaldo. Uh, here's a question for you. When the goalkeeper jumps off the line for a penalty and the referee says, no, you have to retake it uh, because you're off your line, would that, in theory, just keep on going eternally? No, the forever? keeper would stop doing it after two Why after would the keeper? Goals, it's natural for the keeper to jump out. So would could, the ref just be they, like, I'll oh, just leave it? They'd probably booked him at a certain point. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's the question. At a certain point. Mm. Not really sure about that. Uh, just one as well. Um, the Netflix documentary series Pepsi Where's My Jet is a very much hidden gem. If anybody's looking for something to watch this weekend, What's Pepsi this Where's My Jet. You, you mentioned this. Got it to me off air, and I was like, "What is this?" Like? You, you got to watch it. Honestly, it's about a guy who wins a, a Harrier jet from Pepsi. It's very, very good. There are my thoughts. Right. I actually have more, but I leave it because Ronan O'Gara is looking at me right um, now, and I want him to look at G. Michael says Clonagale is a great club. A lot of rural players and students from Trinity train there, so just uh, turn up in January for training. Maybe wear a different tracksuit top, which is the best bit of advice I think you're going to get. Thanks very much. That's helpful. Thank Happy you. birthday to you. Oh, thanks very much. Call him, yeah. Thanks, guys. Good man. Well done. well done. Hope the weekend uh, picks up for you. Um, we've loads coming up later on. Alan Quinlan's going to get stuck into the meat and drink at the Heineken uh, Cup. We'll preview all those games. We're going to have Kevin Caban. He'll be live from the World Cup. So uh, we're chatting to him um, about uh, some of those. None of the stuff that uh, Colm has brought up there, but some more interesting talking points. So we'll get to him um, on that. We'll have Morris Deegan in the studio as well a bit later on um, on his retirement from intercounty refereeing. So loads still to come. 7.52. It's Friday morning. Uh, delight you could join us morning do keep those comments flying into us Ronan Agara good morning to you how are you morning guys how are you keeping very well very well yourselves good a nice quiet few weeks for you (laughs) 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 yeah yeah exactly and uh, yeah I've had a bit of time off this morning for the first time in a in a while so I didn't do the school run so a little change of routine is good um uh, to regather the thoughts before we go again tomorrow. So yeah, it has been a yeah. Um, I suppose you get periods like that every maybe three years, four years, two years, depending on when. I suppose uh, contract um, will come up for uh, renewal. It's different to the playing game. Obviously, the coaching game it probably happens a year in advance, uh, and then obviously there was um, disciplinary. Um, problems so um, yeah never a dull moment never a dull moment what What a few weeks what when you get all that sorted Ronan are you, um, can you talk to us a little bit about it or give us some sort of an insight because like you know from the outside looking in all you ever see is the press release and the quotes that come out and you have no sense of what's going on behind the back back end so um, when it all gets done are you 
Is that something you celebrate? Like, what's the after media's aftermath of getting pen on paper? No, like that. That's I suppose where it differs. That from everybody else is just it's it's um, something. This is stating the obvious. Obviously, you're signing a, a paper, but it, it, it means very, very little in the fact that you I mean there's a rule in France four defeats in a row and you're gone. You know, so. Um, well, people will say, oh, well, yeah, but he has a contract and the payout will be different. But it becomes very complicated if you look at it like that. And obviously, I've started on the negative side where uh, I don't envisage that happening. Um, but, um, you know, you probably uh, had to weigh up in terms of the test game. Um, the test game is something that I would like to do. Um, but... I just still felt at 45 that I have plenty of time to do that. Um, and I think um, when you want to create an environment where you are successful, I think it's a process as opposed to uh, words. So my acts and my behaviours and my what I do, my behaviour is important. So I've assembled a squad here. And it was the same when I was a player at Munster. I had offers to leave as a player, but if your number ten is jumping ship, I think it's a it's a kick in the stomach for for the organisation. Here, I suppose the president and the sporting director have let me kind of target players I want to target, keep players I want to I want to keep, and um, that's very exciting, Adrian. In mm. the fact that you can create your group and and your and your squad, but it's it's only just happened last season. I think the more you reflect what was pulled off in Marseille would be uh, an outlier in the fact that the environment and the, probably the uh, where Leinster are, they'd be ahead of where 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 we are. But that's exciting in its own right. It means that our upside is probably bigger. Mm. So, um, you know, I think signing the the contract is one thing. Committing to it is is another thing, but like you can't be in two places at the one time, mm. you know, in an ideal world, you'd love to coach um, La Rochelle and then have a test team, but you'd find yourself <laughs> burnt out pretty quickly. Did you, it's, it's, I hadn't never even considered that. Well, you, you weren't thinking about that, were you? No, you can't do that, no. obviously. No, 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 no. It's full-time jobs, both of them, and it's pretty difficult to do one as it is, but uh, I love it. And, um, as you know, uh, from having visited over the summer, uh, there are six people very happy here, and that's excluding me. And I think that's the most important thing. It's it's a career that if if uh, you were to neglect, I suppose the non rugby side, you could end end up very easily in a one bed apartment anywhere in the world because you the game can eat you, and the uh, needs of the game can eat you, but. For me, there's nothing more important than, than family, and, and that was uh, a crucial part of the decision. You know, when you sit around the table, uh, when six hands go up, who wants to stay? It's it's pretty convincing, and it's a memory that that will stay with me. Is that that literally happen? Yeah, because like you know, that's it's no different to any other family. People think that rugby players or soccer players are different, but it's it, it's not. You know, it's it's very privileged to play in front of packed houses and, and that's what happens in La Rochelle. It's obviously diluted from top sporting 
not top sporting, but soccer, where you can have 80, 100,000 people at games. The capacity here is 16,000 is full every week. But from that point of view, it's very uh, pleasing to have that kind of privilege. Uh, but like that affects one person, and then behind that, you're you're trying to get do what's best for your family, and what's best for your family is living in a in a nice place where hopefully they can. Um, get their needs looked after as well. We kind of spoke to you on different occasions running on the show about the the, the England rumours and depending on who you listen to, the, you were on a, a short list of three or four. Um, like was, the, was the contract with La Rochelle always kind of scheduled to happen around now or did the England rumour mill, I guess, speed that whole process along? No, it didn't. It was always, see, that's, as I said to you, like I'm consistent in that and the fact that it's, uh, I'd be out of contract at the end of 24, you know, so, they want to have their business done before Christmas because um, um, by that it gives them uh, six months. If I was leaving on the last um, year of the contract, then they'd have to have someone in place because um, it's so easy to find someone, but finding someone isn't really what the name of the game is. They're trying to find someone that's either better than you or hopefully as good as you. So, it's a it's a very important, I suppose, position to to fill. So, um, the no the England, um, I suppose, um, opportunity or potential opportunity w- w- was in the background, and um, you know, I think I always had a realistic view, and I I put myself um, in the position where if the was the Irish job and. Um, Steve Bartwick was picked ahead of me. I probably have um, feel very frustrated and disappointed with that. And when you flip it on its head, uh, Ron O'Gara versus Steve Bartwick in England, I think he has an advantage over me. So I always felt I was probably the outsider of three in that race. Uh, but that's okay. That's that you don't know because. Uh, you know, you, you it's only when you probably, I suppose, um, have briefings with them and feedback from them and get into interesting conversations and dialogue. Maybe that's their vision is is more similar to yours. So it's it's a it was a I suppose a, a period where I enjoyed um, you mean placing myself in a in a, a test manager's tracksuit uh, and that's what you you have to do um, when you say the the background in terms of your conversation there, there were conversations with the RFU, with the RFU there was a um, a process uh, on, ongoing is that fair enough to say the process is probably advanced there was conversations with with, with certain um, members of the RFU and um it wasn't uh, a decision won't be made till I would say, well, it's obviously changed now because this was pre uh, Eddie Jones mm. where so everything's different and I'm out of the loop. So um, I'm not too sure what's going to happen now, obviously. But something at some point or another, uh, an itch you'll want to scratch the, the international thing, wherever, wherever that may be. Yeah, well, obviously you'd love to, you, you know, you'd love to coach but the obvious solution is is Ireland, but uh, there's no availability there, and and that's 
for a good reason because Andy Farrell is, is humming and he's got his team playing great rugby and he's got a great environment. So, but you mean that's that's okay if that was it would be nice to happen at some stage, be it in four years, ten years. I don't know. I'd like to do it. I'm a competitor. I'd like to try and see what I could do with an Irish team at a certain stage. Uh, but I think also when you when you coach. Um, there's something inside you where you're able to strip back. I think the emotion and the attachment are the um, the the role is very visible, irrespective of of what country um, you are coaching. So it becomes a very, I suppose, um, appealing position to me anyway. In the fact that you could. Uh, be the boss of a certain country to try and get the best out of the rugby players available in, in a certain country. It's professional coaching. Are you someone, Ronan, who who sets out a a rough timeline for yourself? Like by this year, I want to, you know, I'd love to be involved in Munster if there was an opportunity, or Ireland if there was an opportunity, or do you just kind of, I guess, take it as it comes? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be mapping out that. <laughs> it's not. Um, you mean to coach Munster? No, that's not the plan. Uh, the plan is to to obviously commit here, do as well as I can, and then uh, it may change again, but maybe have a look at, um, can I do something at test level? That That's, for me, the natural evolution of this. But in terms of setting goals, um, I have a simple answer, and that is you're trying to get the best out of yourself and your team on a daily basis, and, and, and that's quite challenging. I, no, I don't believe in, I know... I probably have a vision where I want to go to, but I don't set out goals because I'm a believer in that I don't know my limit. I don't think my team knows its limits, so why put a limit on it? Um, one last one for me, and, and like the happy thing aside of the contract is now we don't have to ask you about this uh, for the next while, right? so, <laughs> so bear with me on one more of it. The, the monster point, um, I'm surprised to hear you saying that it's not on some level on the radar. Is that... Um, like, do, do you see yourself as being Munster coach at any point? Hypothetically, very hypothetical question. Um, I don't know, genuinely, I don't know. Um, but, um, you know I mean, you can be sure that um, coaching Ireland would appeal more than coaching Munster. That's for certain. Um, I've kind of coached in the club game. I think you find exactly what... Razor is doing. He's coached the Crusaders. I don't think he wants to coach a club team. He wants to coach a test team. And I think when you're in our positions, he, it's very understandable why that would be. Uh, Munster's a great club, great people. Uh, I have great memories as a player. But things move on and things evolve. Um, I'm not too sure. Um if that will happen in the medium, short-term future. Um, but, uh, you mean, there's a special place there uh, in my heart for, for, for Munster, but um, it's it's not on the on the short-term plan, that's for sure. All right. Unlikely, but never say never, I think, is uh, maybe the Correct. takeaway from that. What uh, Scott yeah. Robertson, you mentioned there, what, tell us, the, I was interested to read your piece in the Examiner this morning, a really good point made about the links with Leinster, that it's unlikely as a replacement, uh, direct like-for-like like, uh, for Stuart Lancaster. Is, is uh, your opinion or your thoughts as to whether, because you said there he probably wouldn't leave for another club gig, is that unlikely to happen in, in whatever role? 
do you think or um, yeah I think so I think he's had his fill of, of talking to him and I could be wrong but my impression from speaking to him is that he's he's ready for the test game he's ready for the test arena he'd obviously um, once at uh, at all cost to coach the uh, the All Blacks whether that will happen after this World Cup cycle I don't know and when that will happen in terms of their announcement is probably more crucial because it blocks him for other potential jobs so He's probably in a in a waiting hold at the minute, getting uh, getting frustrated in the fact that um, he wants to know, I suppose, what his next move is. But he's not in control of that. Mm. Uh, tell him to come over here, do the Joe Schmidt thing. Come on over here, give us your goodness for a few years, build up your CV. You know, win a couple of hiding cups with Leinster run is what I'm saying here, and then uh, you know we can return him back to the All Blacks gig. <laughs> um, you could send them to Munster too. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That is true. Um, your your frustrations with the ten week ban were again very evident from the uh, examiner column this morning. You've, as you say yourself, uh, two down, eight uh, to go in terms of the weeks. Big frustration for you, I'm sure, because we've chatted to you about it before. Some of that is to do with your own uh, responsibilities around it, but also in terms of the general process of how it's all come about. Yeah, it is very very damaging to the team and the fact that game day you're, you're um, you can't have a role you know it has a big impact and you see it more and more uh, and it's obviously the the crucial two two months uh, in December January where everything is more or less decided from times of push for qualification or else scrapping for, for places so um, you know I, I'm not going to say anything more and just say my choice of words were were very very poor but um, the time doesn't fit the crime yeah do you, find, do you find that as a head coach I guess you get you almost get punished more so than, than if you were a player that almost they're trying to set an example by you know sending a, a message I guess in some ways no but sure they've sent me messages already it's just the fact that in this case I was um um, I was of the opinion that it was a, a private conversation, which it wasn't. With the disciplinary people? Uh, with the head of the referees in France. So mm. communication had been established for for a number of years, yet um, my wording pushed them over the 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 line to to report to me. And as a result, I received a, a ten-week ban. So, when you're saying that, uh, when you're saying the punishment didn't fit the crime, and that obviously don't want to land you in trouble. Um, but like, I, 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 was there a precedent for it? Like, was there any? Was there a period of ban which maybe you were expecting compared to the ten weeks? No, because I think it's a unique case. So it was very much the first, and there was other, I suppose. Um, well, you can't call them similar cases when when the official process is respected, but there has been other, I suppose, coaches who have gone the the public route to to highlight. Um, in, what's the word? Inaccuracies or inconsistencies in the game, but um, you know, I mean, I was quite confident when um, 
Razi Erasmus got two weeks. Uh, so, yeah, to, to open an email to see 10-week ban was, was shattering. And uh, obviously you don't want to become the bet noir as well and, and suddenly get painted with that brush that you're some sort of a troublemaker, which... Uh, which uh, well, I'm already there, you know. It's that the, the guy is difficult. He's a bit of a maniac, a lunatic, a uh, hothead, you know. They've they've gone hard the last few weeks, yeah, most definitely on, on, in the press. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, thankfully you'd have a... a team and a club that would probably have my back and other players that I've coached in France have been quite supportive but but yeah it's been unrelenting um, so because they always go to the kind of you know what I mean the one or two or three um, sour apples that you had previously coached that probably didn't like your your uh, uh, management skills <laughs> to, to to give the fire plenty of oxygen, but that's okay. Uh, Heineken Cup obviously back this weekend. Uh, Northampton La Rochelle Saturday evening. Then you've Ulster back to back. You're going in as champions. What's the hunger like for Europe this season? Um, well, we're not going in as champions. We're that's over. I think I have to make that very clear that once. Tomorrow comes around, there's no champions, it's a new competition. We start from zero and we're looking forward to it. We've got a good team, we'll be at home and we want to start fast and uh, we love this competition. Um, it's reunited, or not reunited, but it, uh, it gave, I think, special feeling to, to the town of La Rochelle last May. Scenes in the port that have been rarely seen anywhere in the world, so... If you don't get a buzz out of that, you're you're in the wrong game, and uh, that will live with us for the rest of our lives. But we got to um, reload now and and um, have another crack off it with a different group of players. A lot of new signings: Antoine Astois and Quentin Lesouk. It's their first games in the Champions Cup. First people in Ireland, they find that fascinating. You know, the fact that it's our bread and butter back in Ireland. Uh, but over France, it just shows, I suppose, um, the difference in stages of development between Irish teams and French teams. I guess on a, on a lighter note, Ronan, how do you how do you find the build up to Christmas? Then, like we were chatting on the show yesterday about Colchis Christmas, when all the Colchis come into Dublin and, and do their shopping. I don't know if you consider yourself a Colchi or you have a part talker. You get to partake in France, no? <laughs> um, that's the eighth of December, is it? it is. All the, all the, uh, you've, the brown you've just shoes. away whether you're a culture or not with that response, Ronan. There's no getting away from it now. I'm 100% a culture. Yeah. I'm from Cork. <laughs> um, so, um, you'd wear the brown well, shoes and the checkered shirts and the, the Budweiser belt buckles and all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I forgot about that. It's, uh, there are people who think like that, isn't it? How dare they come into our city like that? <laughs> But spend all your money. It's like yeah. <laughs> give us that culty good stuff. Um, yeah, hopefully get home for Christmas this year. Hopefully, by law we have to have four days consecutively off, so it falls well. We play Bordeaux twenty third at six forty five, so might get home twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty sixth. Oh, that's good. Well, either way, Santa comes to France and and Ireland, and yeah. rest assured. So. Safe enough. Pair Noel. Come here. Congrats on the on the contract. Guess look over the weekend. Thanks a million. Good to chat with you. Yeah, cheers, lads. Good luck. Take care.
Ronan on the line there, Ronan Agar on the line from uh, La Rochelle. Interesting stuff as always as to how it's all come about, his ambitions were down the track. It's mm. certainly interesting that uh, the Munster thing is clearly not. I'm sure there's plenty of Munster fans out there that'll be disappointed by those remarks. Yeah, not on the radar, it seems. Of course, as he says, anything anything can happen down the line. Um, things can change over over time, but yeah, certainly the test. Ireland is the... Mm. And I think everyone in the country wants to see that happen at some point. Yeah. Like, even if it is in four years' time after this contract, but... Um, once the job and opportunity is there for Ronan, I think it'll be obvious when the time arises. He's, in, he's in an amazing position. Yeah. He's in an unbelievable position. He's sat back. He's been courted by, like, the England job would be, mm, I mean, the All Blacks gig might be the best gig in, in, in the game, bar none. Yeah. Um, but for Ronan, is. the Irish gig but, is top but dollar. The England gig wouldn't be far off it. It's nice to be sat back and having that attention poured upon you and people saying nice things about you you couldn't be but flattered about it but like he said himself the setup he has there is sensational he's obviously got a big young family who are very settled who's like um, French is their first language they're mm. never when they when when they get asked around the table what do you want to do here I'm not surprised that all the hands go up as to yeah, same put of course listen it was, it was a no brainer in, in many ways and it's worked out for Ronan do you know all the, the I don't, like as I said the, the rumour mill might not have contributed in any way to the contract but um, it's a good deal. Won't have helped. Yeah, well, well, sorry, it won't have hindered. Yeah, hundred percent. Getting my expressions wrong this 100%. morning. Competition time on OTBAM. Uh, the Leopardstown Christmas Festival will take place December twenty sixth to 29th and it's a brilliant day out for sporting fans, socialites, and thrill seekers alike. Every day this week, we've had uh, two hospitality pla- uh, places for the Leopardstown Pavilion to give away, and you're going to get a reserve table. You get lunch. You get chat and tips from a top tipster, and plenty more as well. Besides, to enter all of that, simply comment with a Christmas tree emoji this morning. A Christmas tree emoji on our main. Twitter page add off the ball and you're automatically in the hat remember to ensure that uh, your DMs are open so we can hit you up to let you know that you've won and that's how we'll contact you at the Leopardstown Christmas Festival uh, Festival. it's December 26th to the 29th tickets are from 35 euro they're available at leopardstown.com now during the ad break Nathan uh, Murphy will take on Jerry Gilroy in FIFA it's all part of the OTB Games Room which is a partnership with Virgin Media bring your A game with 99.9% broadband reliability after the break um, speaking of people who've had lots of nice things been said about them Kevin Kilban is going to join us live from the World Cup see you then OTB AM with Gillette Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. It's nearly 20 past eight. You're watching OTB AM. Kevin Kilban, come on in. Good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. How are you getting on? Are you uh, itching to get home now or are you just enjoying the football too much for any of that? I was itching to, to get home the day I arrived. I have to say that, honestly. I think I had the, you know, I had the conversation before I left. I, I was nervous about actually coming over here and... That's not really left me since I've arrived here. Honestly, I've loved the football and it's been great doing the games and going to games here and there. But no, I, I, I'm, yeah, I've become a, become a softie. Yeah, I, I, I have, really do. You have to say that now, you're yeah. obliged by marital contract, Kev, to say that either way. <laughs> I might. Well, well, I don't, I don't think. I don't think my wife's going to see this. Really, is she? So she's not um, a big OTAM viewer, no. <laughs> well, no, she's a big fan of Agent Barry, but not not necessarily the show, you know, because you, you're global these days, you know. Of course, of course. What's your uh, what's your itinerary on a, the last few days off? What do you get up to? Um, what we got on? Well, we have um, obviously we had the the games over the next two days, and then we're back into the, the couple of days off. Even there, there's actually been a media game arranged. I was just talking to to, to the fellow from Cork there before I came <laughs> what's on. What's his you know? name? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Colin. Um, 
But anyway, no, we um, we had this media game arranged. So you had to put your name down before the tournament started to, to go and play in this media game. And it was the world's media. So everybody from every organisation get the chance to play in a game. And it's at one of the stadiums. I'm not too sure which, which stadium it's actually at. So anyway, we all put our name down. We, we got off and it went, yeah, we'll play, no problems. And then the game, I think, some Monday, I think it is. And then we got an email yesterday to say only one player or one person from the whole team gets to play in it. And you can put a reserve guy on standby in case we need to call them up last minute. And we were like, ah, get out of it. No way. Can you imagine sending that to ITV with Roy and all that? <laughs> yeah. they, they, they desperately want all that. So we just said, nah, we'll leave it. Thanks very much, but no thanks. You didn't get an invite to the... So that's it. You didn't get an invite to the big game then, obviously, the, the clip that's gone gone viral. Uh, no, I saw the clip actually. Yeah, no, no, we didn't get invited. Why, why would I? Why would I? Well, I mean, what did you think of the the celebration from Roy? A bit over the top, I thought. Like, yeah, uh, that's his very, job very, essentially to score. Is that is that very unRoy? I think I thought I, we were talking about it in the newsroom last night, and it suddenly dawned on me that he was. It was a commentary on the Brazil celebrations mm. and his comments about that. Yeah. He didn't have the dance at the end, though. He needed the dance, didn't we? <laughs> he jumped the wheelie bit and said, "Have you, you haven't bumped into him? Have you?" <laughs> No, no, not at all. No, it's been it's been fairly low key, really. I, I think I'd said to you, we our hotel, like I'd said to you, we're staying in the same hotel as Brazil. It's, it's a little bit out of the way, but we have a one of the metro stops, which is a couple of five minute walks, say, down the road from us. We hop on the metro, usually in and out to to where the studios are, and unless we're going to a game where we just hop on the metro again, we've been fairly isolated, really. So that's been pretty much it. Yeah, like as former teammates, you're not saying, "Oh, we must catch up for a must catch up for a cup of tea." No, there's been a few of the guys. Um, Dion Dublin was on to me. Um, I haven't had the chance to meet up with Dion yet, but Dion was on to me. A couple of the guys that I'd spoken to, a few of the guys that I would have done stuff with when I when I was working at the BBC uh, were on to me, and I, I kind of bumped into. I actually did bump into Dion one night, but I didn't. It, it was when I was walking back from after, after the games. I think those the apartments at the BBC are, are actually staying and are not too far from where we are. Uh, the famous BBC um, apartments, I should say. Yeah, but um, so we 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 bumped hmm. into them, uh, a couple of the guys who I would have worked with, and that was pretty much it. So I, I said we'd meet up along the way, but we've we've just not had a chance to, and, I'm, and they haven't either because. I know you're not really necessarily doing lots of travel to get to the games like it would have been at any other World Cup, but it's just getting that chance on a night off or something when, you know what it's like, you just kind of get your work done in the day and then you, you get out for a bit of dinner in the evening and that's kind of it. I met Dan McDonnell actually, you know, I met Dan a couple of nights ago, so we went out and had a bit of food and, and he's he's uh, someone who I did meet, yeah, so we, we had, I had a few hours with Dan, which was nice. I remember seeing Dan's tweet, I think, at the start of the tournament where like the, the height of the nightlife in, in Doha seems to be these 24-hour coffee uh, shops so that's probably the the only chance you get to kind of meet up with yeah. people I guess you, shisha the shisha yeah she, shisha bars there's a, lot, there's a lot of shisha bars knocking around and coffee bars yeah um, you're very selective if you want to go and, you want to go and find a beer and things like that more often than not you have to go into into certain hotels which you kind of want to stroll around don't you you want to just maybe have a have a the souk um, the, the souk Wakif, which is by us which is kind of the marketplace that big marketplace near our studios it's a great little walk actually around and you get a bit of a feel a little bit for the place there but you, you can't get a drink or anything there so it's just it's it's a nice chill out it's a nice chill out place to be honest with you would you be partial to a bit of shisha 
No, no, I wouldn't be a shisha man actually. I've I've had it in the past, but no, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my cup of tea. No, it wouldn't be shisha. I can imagine a man like yourself would be very uh, very worldly and things like that. You'd be all over it, but no, it wouldn't be my cup of tea. No. <laughs> Come here, the, uh, you gave us a nugget, obviously, in the last round, and uh, the clip has gone viral since, and uh, you've been retweeting it yourself, which, of course, is uh, self-praise, Kev, which we'd be, we'd be all too familiar with your, uh, in your Oh, account. no, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to talk no. about it. <laughs> Top of the agenda, the only thing you wanted to talk about this morning. You gave us a nugget, you gave us a nugget, let's be fair, let's be fair, you gave us a nugget, you called Morocco to beat Spain, so Mr. Caban looking into his uh, crystal ball here for the quarterfinals. Any surprises on the cards? Yeah. I'm just actually going through. I'm just like I'm, uh, I started yesterday, just getting through everything, looking through clips, to trying to do analysis on um, the Holland Argentina game and the Brazil Croatia game tonight. So we're just trying to get everything together from it. I, I, I mean, I don't think there'll be a shock in the Brazil game. I think Brazil will beat Croatia. I thought Croatia looked so tired in the Japan match, particularly maybe the last 20 minutes. And if you look at Croatia, I think seven of the last eight. Um, Competitive or, or um, sorry, tournament games have, have gone to in, have gone to in extra time, should I say? So, I, I just don't see them being able to muster up another big performance and take the game to, to extra time and beat Brazil. I can't see that happening. So, Brazil, I think, handily enough. Today's other one, I think, Netherlands will beat Argentina. I think, um, I think the setup for is, is that a shock? Is that uh, a shock? I think so. Yeah, reasonably so. Yeah, I think I think uh, Argentina uh, will be will be favourites for it, but yeah. Man for man, I think Holland are better. Honestly, do if you look look through, look through the sides and look through. I think defensively Holland are better. Um, even in midfield, I would probably say there's a lot of energy in in that Argentine side. Um, I don't think it's going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be one that we're going to look back on and think that was a classic match. But I just fancy I fancy Netherlands to win it. I just think they're going to. I think I think it might be tight one nil, maybe two one. Right, I can't. If it goes to if it goes to extra time, I wouldn't be surprised. And then penalties, who knows? Um, then you're looking at a fifty-fifty call on that one. And I, I think it will be that tight. But I just I just side with Netherlands. Yeah, just I think they'll do it. Yeah. Louis van Gaal has been the the man of the tournament for me so far, Kev. Like the, even yesterday, yeah. they asked about the Angel Di Maria called him the worst coach he ever had, and he replied with yeah. uh, Memphis Depay in the room saying, you know, I used to bench Memphis at Old Trafford, and now we kiss. On the yeah. mouth, and uh, Memphis losing his losing his head a bit uncontrollably. Yeah. Like he, he's been a, we always knew he was, he was a character. Um, someone you might have liked to have played under yourself. Um, I, I, my my early memories of Van Gaal are probably from that game in in one that we played against, or the two games mm. actually we played against them because mm. one of the best performances that that we would have put in in it during that campaign actually was when we went to Amsterdam. We we were so good. We we ended up drawing the game to a piece, but we. We were brilliant for 70 minutes, I would say. Maybe even long. We, we played well. It was a worldie from Van Bronckhorst. I think they got them back in the game and then they ended up tying the game up or whatever it was. But after that game, he was kind of disrespectful to us. It was more or less saying that we were a bunch of pub players or something like that. It, it, I can't remember the exact words, but it, which is probably true as it turns out. But um, <laughs> it, I always felt like, oh, what an arrogant, you know, arrogant. And I think we felt a bit like that, but... I don't think we ever really appreciated his personality, I think, within that side. And over the years, even when he was at Man United, I used to quite like him. And, you know, watching the team play, I don't think they were a great watch. I think we all brutal. accepted that watching mm. Man United. Yeah, they were a brutal watch, yeah, that's true. Um, and I think there's been a bit of criticism levelled at him during this tournament. Remember the Senegal, the Ecuador games? They, were, they weren't great games to watch. And then they just 
well, they, they just did a job on the USA in that last 16 game. And I, I actually fancied that to happen too. I thought USA don't, don't have anything up front that, that was ever going to trouble um, the Dutch. So I fancied them to do that. So his personality is really shining through. And I think that, you know, obviously he's had he's had an illness and there's been tragedy in his family as well over the years as well with, with, with illness to cancer. So I think he's just just in uh, savouring every moment mm. of it, just thinking, look, you know, let's let's enjoy it. And I think, you know, I he always when you talk to older coaches, just older people as they, as they get on maybe even through career, as I would look back on it as well, you never really had the chance to savour those those moments, those big moments in, in, in your playing career. And I think he recognises he's had so many big moments across his career. This is almost like my swan song. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. And He's been great to listen to. I think he's been even that video after the last sixteen when they came back after the, after they beat USA. It was great just watching him coming back into the hotel, dancing with his mobile yeah. phone, sav- savoring that moment. And was it one of you guys saying to me the other day that there's he sold his his rights to to Netflix or something? There's going to be a, there's going to be a movie on his life or something like that. I, I heard that somewhere, which would be great in itself. Watching watching that story if there were to be one on, on Van Gaal. But um, I just think he's. He, He's been great to listen to. That's the thing. Every press conference, there's been something and a quote, a throwaway quote that he's that he's thrown out that has gone almost viral because he's he he obviously is very funny, and I think the lads love him for that reason. I think they can really warm to him. Um, so yeah, I've I've loved watching him. I've loved watching him, and I've loved seeing his sides. And I think I think they'll beat Argentina today. Yeah, that, that's um, I it, like. It is hard to know where Argentina are at. They were nearly caught by Australia, obviously, the last day. Um, the only obviously with with the with the Dutch, they they're happy for the opposition to have the ball, which maybe works mm. up to a point against some of the lesser sides. But you're feeling that even mm. even with a team, the quality of Argentina and their ability to get goals, well, that that might not even be a problem. No, I, I actually disagree with that, Adrian, we say against the lesser teams because that, that sort of tactic doesn't really work against the lesser teams because they don't want the ball. So they're almost giving it you back and you've got to do mm. something. It works against the better teams. I've I've seen a lot of Holland in, in qualification. So I was actually doing a lot of analysis on how how they actually do play. And it's not so much they let you have the ball, they let you have the ball in your own half. So it would have been something that, that I would have been very familiar with when I was playing where let the centre-halves have the ball, let, let them step in a little bit. And if you watch them, they kind of almost give you a pass into midfield, which I'm sure that Argentina will take at times. And if they're giving the ball to Messi, Messi could beat two players quickly if that pass is is given to him. But they try and press that first pass. And what they do when they win, if they win the ball from from that press in, in the midfield, they break from it. Watch Gakpo and watch um, Memphis from it. Even watch Klassen if he's playing today or whoever it will be that will be playing as a 10. They immediately spring from that pass when De Jong or uh, De Roon or Coop Miners, whoever it's going to be, that, that, that are playing on that press. They break off it and three or four lads get beyond the ball immediately and it's so hard to stop. And they have a great way of playing. Look look how the, the, the they're so good in the wider areas. Daily Blint. I mean, he, he couldn't run 10 years ago. Everyone would know him from Man United. He couldn't run, but you would really ever see... He, he reminds me dearly blint of Kenny Cunningham. And, that, and, and you know, maybe trying to be respectful to Kenny as well within that. Kenny wasn't the quickest player, but Kenny had a reading of the game that was as good as anyone I played alongside, where he was in the place before you actually got the ball, so he'd take it off you. He never got exposed, and Daley Blint's exactly like that. He, he gets himself in position, wins the ball... And he's always in the attacking third. He's always putting balls into the area. You look at the cross that he put in for Dumfries' goal in the last game. He obviously got the goal 
off the back of the Dum- Dumfries cross in that UA- USA game. The way they exploit wide, er- wide areas is is great to see. So just watch how many bodies the forward they get off off a counter. It's five bodies quickly forward, and that's where the chances come from. And I saw a lot of the goals that I that were trying to analyse in in qualification that that came from situations like that, giving you that ball into midfield, quick press, and then how they break off it. I mean. I'm sure that like Stephen Kenny, he'll be analysing it as well with the upcoming games that we've mm-hmm. got. It'll be interesting to see how we're actually going to play against that type of system. But they might be different under Kuman anyway when he takes over because he, Kuman predominantly like to play four at the back. So it might be interesting to see if they do change the system and go to four at the back. So I, I, I just I, I like. I like teams setting up differently. They, they don't. If you watch Brazil, Brazil give the ball away and they chase, harry the ball, four or five players go and win it quickly, high up the pitch, like we see from Man City, like we see from Liverpool and maybe Real Madrid and various sides around Europe. They, they don't do that. They, they filter back into position quickly and then they go on the press off that initial pass. So I like watching what they do. I, I like seeing it and I th- as I said, I think they just play a different style from from some of the other top teams. Uh, to give you your due, uh, the, uh, despite the fact that it was on penalties, Morocco were still full value. It wasn't a smash and grab job against Spain. Will they continue that against Portugal, yeah. or is this their uh, this, as far as they go? I, I don't fancy him. I think it's as far as they go. I, I was at the the Portugal Switzerland game the other night, and I think they're on a different level from yeah. Spain. I think the good uh, why why I thought it was with the Spain game why why they'd be able to do it because they have a way of playing where they're able to go attacking, they're able to get bodies forward, which they did against Spain. Probably, you know, they did have chances. They, they had a lot less possession in the game, but I just felt the way Spain played and the lack of penetration that, that they have throughout that Spanish side. Great football, and don't get me wrong, it is. But I, I don't enjoy watching Spain. I didn't enjoy watching Spain at the Euros when they played the same sort of style. And I just fancied Morocco would have a little bit too much for them. And again, it, it went to penalties, so it was... It could have gone either way. So, you know, the call becomes doesn't become great in the end. But I did fancy him to do something in the match. Whereas Portugal, different, Adrian. They, oh. they have the penetration with Ramos. They have, they have. I mean, Yao Felix, he, I, I, we, where I was sat or when I went to the game, we were right in front of um, Switzerland warming up. And six or seven of the Switzerland players, Akanji, um, Mbolo, um, Shakiri, Xhaka, um, Fabian Shaw, they were absolute tanks. Like they look huge compared to the Portuguese players. They were so, you know, if you're looking at them physically, one side to another, Switzerland should be outpowering them, outplaying them in every way because they're a decent side, Switzerland. But João Felix looked like a little boy. Bernardo Silva. Um, there were so many of the sides. You're thinking physically they won't be able to compete, but the way they move the ball, the the movement off the ball. I just think they've got way too much for um, sensational. For they look like World Cup winners to a to a. They, to d- a they did, and 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 I mean, immediately by taking Ronaldo out the side agent, they looked like a side that could go and win the World Cup. You never would have thought thought that in the first two or three games that they played. So, I I think they're serious contenders. I think if yeah, anyway, it's easy to say if they play like that, but it's the style of play that they've got. There's so many different aspects to the game where they have the bit of needle in them if necessary. You know they'll they'll tactically foul at times. They'll break the game up if necessary. But the flowing football that they play is going to be so hard to stop. And I just think this is a step too far for Morocco. I think Portugal will will win this. I think it could be two or three actually. I think they'll win it handily enough. Is um, France a step too far for England, Kev? Uh, I think this is a this is a, the stereotypical fifty fifty game. Um, as much as I, I have fear that England is going to beat France. Uh, 
if you're asking me to honestly heart and head and things like this, I, I honestly do think that because of Mbappé, and it's only because of Mbappé that France will win the game. I can't see England being able to stop him for mm. 90 minutes. And the moments that he's had in this in this tournament so far have been very special. And it has been a moment game from him. Some of the games he's been electric for, for long spells and he's managed to score in, in the games that he's played. I can't see them being able to shut Mbappé down. If it, Even look to the, the Poland game, the last game. Matty Cash did quite well against him. And, and the truth is, if, if you're a fullback and you're playing against a superstar like that, you know, he had moments in Bappy where he was able to get away, but he actually did well. And I thought, yeah, good, good performance. And then he scored two unbelievable goals because you just can't stop him. And that'll be the same with Walker, I think, at times. I thought Walker, we've tried to do a little bit of analysis for, for this game on the matchup and how it's going to go between Walker and, and Mbappé. We've tried to do a few matchups throughout the team, actually. But Walker and Mbappé, I think we all accept it's going to be a key one for how England are going to set up. And Walker had a couple of moments in um, in in the game. Who I can't really play. Who they play now? Um, Wales. No, who did they beat? Senegal they beat in the last round. Senegal, yeah, Senegal. Jesus, I'm cracking up here. Yeah, in, and he he had a few moments where he switched off, and he, 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 I think he gave the ball away once, and and just he, he almost like be just lost his head a little bit and didn't filter back into position. I think. That's the type of moment that I think France will hurt them. And again, we've all done it. Every, every one of us has done it. And maybe you're overanalyzing things when it comes to that. But I don't know if Walker's going to be able to keep Mbappé uh, quiet for, for the 90 minutes or 120, however that game's going to go. I think it'll be that tight. I think there's going to be goals. I think we could look at easy one apiece, two apiece in this game. And and again, I think they've both got so much talent um, attack-wise that, that could hurt each other. But... I just think I, I'm going to go with France. I just think France will win it. And that's not, maybe is my heart telling me that, but my head's saying that France just just have too much with, with Mbappé and the team. Uh, Jude Bellingham has obviously got legitimately a lot of praise coming his way. John Giles was making an interesting point in the show last night. He was talking about his needing work in his positional sense. He says uh, that he gets into position, um, he's, he doesn't enough get into a position to dictate the, uh, dictate the game, that he shouldn't be waiting for the ball to come to him, that he should be putting himself in a spot to, to uh, ensure the ball comes to him. Um, what's your mm. view on that? It's an interesting one. Johnny's Johnny is the best at when when he analyzes the midfielders and at seeing positional sense. Absolutely, um, I think he, I, he's, he's certainly a player to me at times that that goes forward too early. Um, from what from what I've from what, what I've seen, even when I was watching him at Dortmund this season, sometimes he would he would break away too quickly. Say you're in transition and he's gone, and you can look at it from the other side of that to go, he's, he's, he's away quickly. If that pass comes, he's in quickly. The opposition can't, um, can't adjust to that accordingly. But I think with him, I think by doing that sometimes in this type of game, by vacating his position, by going forward and not necessarily being in position to receive the ball or maybe pass forward and run forward, I think that could be a problem again in this match. Um, so it's interesting to see. We, we, we looked at it a couple of times again and, and saw him breaking away a little bit too soon but off it when, when he gets it and he drives forward look at the, the the Sterling goal against Iran him breaking forward even the first goal against Senegal and how it was his run that created the get, that created the goal he opened the team up just with that run forward so um, I mean yeah I mean again John's way more of an expert on me to, to, to do that but I have seen it I have seen that maybe vacating that position might be a problem for England and it could put pressure on Rice. It could put pressure on Henderson if, if, if it is those two to start the game. 
uh, by him being out of position too early. So I don't know. It's there's a lot of things that you can even look at with France. Rabiot does the same at times. He he breaks forward too quickly. It might be too early at times. But I think what's been overlooked from this game is Griezmann's influence on that French team. I think Griezmann has been. I'd have him in my team of the tournament up to now, Griezmann. Maybe not necessarily scoring all the goals, but the influence that he's having on that France team with his work rate, with his passing ability, his, his dead ball um, ability. I think Griezmann's been great in that team. So even Dembele, I think Dembele's been outstanding as well. So I think France, like England, have so much to their attack that we maybe overlook them. I mean, are France better than England defensively? I think it's a I think it's a flip of the coin on Pickford and Lloris goalkeeper wise. I wouldn't necessarily say either, but Pickford has probably been better over the last year than Lloris. So I'd maybe go on, on Pickford on that one. Yeah. Centre half, Stones and, and Maguire against Upper um, um, uh, and um, I've got, I keep getting that Can name wrong actually. It? And Varane. Varane. Uh, no, no, it'll be no, it'll be up up. Um, Upa can be from uh, from um, Bayern Munich. It'll be him and Varane that will start the game. Kunde, Kunde, Upacano. That's it. And uh, and Kunde will probably start right back. It's it's a fifty fifty call defensively. Probably I'd say France slightly over England defensively, and everywhere else it's it's still fifty fifty. So it's it's such a tight game all over the pitch that it it, it will come down to how good they are in attack and both both sides' strength is in attack and. I think France are just better, I think, than England, slightly better. So that's where I'm, that's why the only reason why I'm going to go for France. One last one on your uh, specialist topic here, and we've got about a minute. So, um, Rice and Grealish, Martin O'Neill, he's on TalkSport. He's saying that uh, he's re- yeah. re- uh, reignited the conversation, but uh, effectively saying that he it wouldn't have been right to cap them. We would have been coercing them to play for a country that they ultimately didn't want to play for. And uh, from your Twitter account, do you agree? I do agree. I know. I, I I listen to some of you guys. I mean, it's probably done now. It's done and dusted long ago. Um, listening to Dan last night, I think he was on with you, Adrian. Where the, the the situation between Rice and Grealish is different because Grealish was never called up, or he was he was called up but never played uh, senior international. So <laughs> that's it. Um, you know, my thoughts on Rice. Rice should never have played for us in the first place, and he made himself available. If if he had no intention of, of following it through, he should never have made himself available to play international football um, with us. So I wouldn't have called him up if, and I agree with Martin. He, yeah, he sat there on the bench and he, he plays. He, he doesn't really want to play for, for Ireland and, and yet he's playing that game against Moldova that that, that, that Dan was speaking about last night. I, personally, I wouldn't have had him in the squad and you, and you know my feelings on it. He should never have played for us. Um, and I'd rather not have a player like Declan Rice in my squad. And I said it at the time, I'd rather never qualify for a World Cup again and 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 not have Declan Rice in, in my team. I, I I felt as though it was underhand what he did at the time. Um, no matter how how old you are, that, that was my feeling on it because I knew who, who I was when I was his age. That was my point on it. So it was, he was hedging his bets at the time that if that England call wouldn't have come or if it wasn't on the horizon somewhere down the line, um, he would have carried on playing for us and he still would have probably have thought himself like what if like that, that would have been in the back of his mind I should have played for England and I don't want to play a plane for us that, that has that sort of mentality and um, I don't know you, you know how I feel so it's yeah. pointless me going oh it's, it's all ground and 
that, exactly. that's how I feel on it exactly. really and I think that uh, you know one of those conversations that <laughs> we can all put to bed now and uh, turn the key in it and uh, never it'll be brought up again though we're, we're going to have will, a situation will, like will. this in the future we will have a yeah. situation and it might not necessarily be England next time it might be you know Nigeria it might be uh, Poland or whatever you know it, it, we'll, we'll have this conversation but I don't know one of you guys said the other day, I think it was, well, it might have been you, Shane, or someone I was listening to you yesterday the day before. It's, it's only because it's England why we think so strongly about it. It's because it's England. If it was anywhere else, if point. it was Nigeria, if it was Poland, would we care as much? I don't think we would. Yeah. And that's the truth. No matter how good they become, it's because it's England. And I had the situation as a youngster when, you know, it, it, it could have been, I might never have played for England senior team. I, who knows? But I was called up for England and I said no because it was never going to be it was never in my thinking. I didn't want to play for England, first of all, for, for many different reasons, but I could never have played for them. And that was entirely how I thought at the time. So, it, And that was because it was England. If it was a different country that I was eligible for, I may have thought differently. But because it was England, I thought that there was no way I could play for, for them full stop. And that was it. So... You'd that, have got the call up, Kev. Phil Neville got a load of caps. You definitely, you know. Maybe, I know, <laughs> I, I, maybe, my ability, maybe, my, maybe my ability suggested that I would have. I don't know. Again, who knows? Who, who is to know what it would be? I think there's a lot of England players that have had caps that, are, that, that, that wouldn't be as good as me as a player. And, you know, I would have felt that. But it was, it was, it, I didn't care about that. I didn't want to mm. play for England. Yeah. So why on earth would I be thinking hard about that? When when all I wanted to do was play for Ireland, I wanted I, all I wanted was one cap for Ireland. That would have done me. That's the truth. So I think once you play, of course, you want to play more, and you feel as though that that's it. You can contribute in different ways. But why on earth would I have had that, you know, mindset of you know I'm upset because I've never had an England cap? It, it would it just wasn't it wasn't in me. So that was how I felt at twelve and thirteen. So. I didn't think any differently when I got to 17, 18, 19. It was, it was who I was and that was it. And 110 caps isn't bad, Kev, either. That's all right. Decent. Well, that, that's where it means everything to me. It means a lot more, Shane, when you know who you are as a person, you know what you stand for and, and everything that goes with that. So, you know, as I said, playing once for Ireland meant way more than, than getting, as I said, 100 England caps. Like, it, it wouldn't have made any difference to me. Honestly, it, I, it would never have happened because I wouldn't have let it happen. How I felt at the time was just in my heart. And I, and I think everybody knows, no matter what you say, every, when you play, international football has always got to be special. It's always got to be something very different. So where, where were you? What, what were you doing the first time you watched an international game and you saw the team lining up for the anthem? How did you feel when you were 12 and 13? You know it. You can answer the question clearly in your own head. You, I've heard you talking about the telly being wheeled into your class at school. You remember these are memories mm. for you. And I remember where I was when I was watched Ray Houghton score against England, seeing the team play first off in Italian 90. I, I remember that. I, I don't remember anything about any other nation, really. I remember moments from other nations. But after seeing England play, uh, sorry, after seeing Ireland play England in, in uh, Italian 90, the first time playing in that World Cup game, seeing Kevin Sheedy score the World Cup goal, that memory will be ingrained in my head forever. So after seeing those those great memories and seeing those great goals that were scored by those those iconic players, I wanted to emulate them. And that was the only thing that was in my mind. And I was, what, I was 10 when Ray Houghton, or 11 when Ray Houghton scored against England and 12, 13 when Sheedy scored against England. That is all I wanted to do. So, you know, it, 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 it it's a it's a such a, a stupid question even when it's thrown at me that I'd never play for England or you know I, play, I picked Ireland because 
because I'd never get an England call up that, that's been thrown at me from from England supporters. I think you guys know it's true, and I know who I was and I know who I am. I could never have done it. So regardless of whether I was never called up for Ireland, and I tell everybody as well, I, when I was called up for England, Ireland was never even on the horizon. It was never even mentioned. It was never even. I don't think anybody in Ireland knew that I was eligible to play for Ireland at that time. Um, I was called up for England and I said no because I couldn't. I, I could never have done it and that was it. I knew it was a mistake asking you a question about that and I hope that you'd keep it to a minute. Kev, come on. Thanks a million. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry for keeping you. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was worth it. Come on. Enjoy the games. All right. Good. Thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Kevin Caban on the line there from the World Cup. Uh, pretty interesting stuff as always. It's uh, 8.48. It is Friday morning. Very good morning to you, uh, wherever it is you're at. I hope the snow isn't too bad and you're safe and well and uh, enjoying the show this morning. Do keep the comments coming into us. A reminder, by the way, that the Leopardstown Christmas Festival will take place from December 26th to the 29th. It's a great day out for sporting fans, for socialites, for thrill-seekers alike. And every day this week we've had two hospitality places for the Leopardstown Pavilion to give away. You're going to get a reserved table, you get lunch, you'll get a chat and some tips for some top tipsters as well and plenty more besides. To enter, just uh, comment with a Christmas tree emoji, which plenty of you have been doing this morning uh, on our main Twitter page, at Off The Ball you're automatically then in the hat and remember to ensure that your DMs are open because that's how we contact you. The Leopardstown Christmas Festival, December 26th to 29th tickets are from €35 Euro and they're available at leopardstown.com Right, let's keep it moving. Back to the rugby we go. Alan Quinlan, good morning. Morning, lads. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks for being uh, patient uh, and waiting on the line there. Um, let's get straight into it on the Hiding Cup, Quinny, if we can. The format of this thing looks so weird. It's uh, almost uh, so weird as to be hard to understand. Uh, why haven't we gone back to the uh, pools of four teams? Uh, I don't know that. Um, I'm not on uh, one of the decision makers in the EPCR. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of people w- 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 are commenting on the format and saying it's confusing and uh you know we've 12 teams uh you've you've 24 teams 12 in each in two pools and and the top eight from each pool go into the knockout stages round 16 game and and you're ranked according to you know points scored where you finish matches one all that kind of stuff as to where those those games are on uh in the round 16 um yeah it's I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive lover of the European Cup. I have great memories from it. Um, it's a very, very special competition. You hear lots of players this week talking about it being a different, a different training week. There's a different buzz around um, each camp, if you like, uh, going in, into Europe. And it's really intriguing. You know, you're going playing against, uh, you're going out of your comfort zone here. You're going into a different a different sort of um, challenge for, for, for teams and players individually playing against, you know, more quality pack squads um, and, and playing different teams around Europe. So it's a, it's a great competition, always has been. But, yeah, just part of me would love love to see the, the, the smaller pools go back to its original mm-hmm. format. It was originally reduced from 24 to 20, back out to 24, you know, because of covid and they've stuck with this format. Um, it's still a great competition, and I'm, I'm always very wary and careful of, of criticising because I love I love the European Cup. But if I was one of the decision makers, I would certainly look to go back to the pool stage, um, the original pool stage where you had four teams in a pool, and um, 
you had six rounds and I, I know the original format had six rounds then a quarterfinal, semi-final, final. That was nine nine matches to to win it. Um, we're now at eight matches. They've got a free weekend for the first time. Um, the back, the, the round 16s were, were, were back-to-back games last year. So we're gone back to eight weekends basically and there's a free weekend there and I know player welfare and uh, the top 14 and, and Gallagher Premiership welcome that because um, getting an extra break or an extra week but for me the old the old system was and it's risky territory because um, a lot of people speak about this online and I think if if EPCR asked the fans what would they want um, possibly the old format but it is what it is it's 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 up and running again this weekend and it is exciting and uh at least we still have the back-to-back games, you know the. Um, yeah, the double headers. Yeah, and round two and three. Not everybody's a fan of the introduction to South African teams either. Antoine Dupont wasn't uh, too shy about coming out um, this week to say that uh, he's finding it hard to grasp. I think was the words that he used um, about them being involved. Fair point for you, or move on. No, I, look, I think since they came into um, the URC, and I think they've been great for it, the quality has improved um, of, of the competition, the competitiveness of it, and um, it's alerted everybody else to, to um, you know, to their quality and what they can do. And you look what the Stormers did last year, the Bulls. Um, so I think it's... Uh, what he's saying is he, he kind of said, which was, I don't know if he was having a dig at the competition or, or, or the South Africans coming in. But he was saying it's not a European Cup now if there's South African teams in. But um, I have less I, you know, I have less problem with that than, than the format. As I said, if you ask me, would I go back? I'd love to go back to the older format. Um, the intrigue of that where you, um, you know, you have your six, six pool games and um, the, you know, the... The quality of that and the the, the 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 bite of that week after week, but um, he has he has a point. But they're in the URC and they've qualified on merit now, and I think you know it's just strange. It's something it's something new, and we have to be adaptable to change. Uh, look at it, see how it goes. But it's it's a great opportunity for South African teams to play play all these European teams and and play in a an enhanced higher grade competition. So I don't have a problem with that, but. I can understand from a player's point of view that, you know, traditionally you'd be, you know, the flights would be short, the travel wouldn't be that bad. You'd be going to France, UK, vice versa, or back. And now some teams are going to South Africa for, for round one. So it's a little bit different, all right. Quinny, uh, Adrian mentions Antoine Dupont, of course, one of the players who's had a, a red card reversed and is free to play in Munster, Kane Healy being another notable one as well. Um Bit of bewilderment, I guess, in the game when you're seeing all these reversals. Like, do we know what constitutes foul play in rugby right, uh, right now? Well, I always thought the King Healy one was um, was a hard call on him. Um, letter of the law, the contact was there, and my I, I kind of you have to be very careful in these decisions, Shane, because um, you can go with your. Um, go letter to law every time and I've been very proactive and, and um, don't have a lot of tolerance for for high shots particularly the impact the forward impact that you have at the last last kind of point of contact where the defending player is is moving forward in an aggressive manner 
you're always in a risky situation when you're upright like that. But I think, and I understand why it's been overturned because he's more, he's accepted the tackle. And I see some people speaking online and talking about it, that um, it's wrong and, and how are we going to progress forward? I think the clarity is there that um, there was a change of height from both players. Um, I know he has to be the one, the onus is on him to get his technique right. But for me, and I, I, I always look at it, it's the last surge forward. Keane Healy doesn't drive forward. He more accepts the the tackle. And that's where, where the mitigation is in it for me. So um, if, there was a, if it was a yellow card on last Saturday night, I would have said that was, a, that was probably the right call. Of course, you'll have so much debate ongoing and um, we have to protect the players for sure. But when you're accepting a tackle, and we saw Andrew Porter um, get away with one over the summer in New Zealand, in um, you know, on the t- with his tackle on Brody Retallick, where it was more of an accepting tackle, and the week before we saw Angus Tavo, you know, his collision with with Gary Ringrose, where he's moving forward at the last minute, and that's where you're getting the the mitigation here when the video angles were really analysed and studied, and it's it's. It's kind of for the referee, Christoph Ridley, you know, he's making a really quick decision uh, with his TMO. Um, I thought, and it, it didn't surprise me that it's overturned, basically. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we'll stick with the Munster Toulouse game, uh, Quinny, on, on, since DuPont has become uh, um, talking about Sunday, 3.15, uh, this one in Thomond Park. Um, what's your sense of like speaking about DuPont specifically and obviously the, always the conversation is how do you stop him um, they obviously have a coach now Munster who's been uh, involved maybe more than most in trying to stop him over the last couple of years and Mike Prendergast um, what's your, your sense of maybe that aspect of it and uh, the challenge for, for Munster here against one of the top teams in Europe how do you stop him is it yeah <laughs> um, it's very difficult I think it's it's a bit like um I suppose England playing France tomorrow night, how do you stop Mbappe? Um, and, and a lot of the English players this week have been asked that question. Um, it's difficult because he's such a wonderful player and not, and it's not just in, in, in his attacking game. I think he, he, he makes so many uh, brilliant tackles and puts so much pressure defensively with his line speeds and um, he's a very physical player and he's a great tackler as well. So, not alone does he, you know, make unbelievable line breaks. He defends and he saves to lose at times. If somebody gets in behind him, he's always sweeping around there, making making tackles. Um, and look, they've, they've unbelievable quality right across the board. I think they've so much depth in their squad, so much power. Um, and he can play off the back of a, a usually a very, very dominant physical pack or forward. So, um, but he's a natural talent. I think he just plays... He's a great reader of the game and he just plays with a freedom and he wants people to react to him. So I think if you're if you're playing with Anton Dubont, you're you're every time he gets the ball, I think as a support player, you're just thinking, This guy is gonna do something special, I gotta get on his shoulder. But he's reading in the game as well. If somebody else makes a line break, he's just there. His support lines are brilliant. And uh, so how do you stop him? I think you've got to try and if you focus too much on him and your own, um you just have to get your, your whole team to be really alert every time he touches the ball. 
Um, because if you shoot out of the line to try and smash him and think, God, I'm going to get a big tackle in here, he'll step you or he'll, he'll pop a little ball off or offload back inside or whatever. So I think you just got to be very disciplined in your defense and very mindful that he runs that inside line. When Toulouse moves the ball out towards their wingers or outside centers, if anybody gets their hands free or through there, if there's any sort of a line break, he's running that inside line so much. And he scores tries, a lot of tries for France and Toulouse like that. So um, you've got to be very careful. You can't just stop him. But I think um, collectively across the board, when he puts his hands in the ball, um, you've got to be really disciplined and stay connected because he can step you as well. I was fascinated when he listened to, to Brian O'Driscoll chatting to Adrian on the show last night where he was talking about Munster maybe needing a proper number 12 in that centre pairing and he kind of compared it to himself and Jonathan Davies I think in the Lions tour of, of 2013 um, interested just to get your take on that yeah well I think they've obviously Chris Farrell is not there and um, Fekitoa you know hasn't kind of hit the heights that they would have wanted um, so there, there, there is um you feel, yeah, I think Rory Scannell has played well in the last couple of weeks. He looks a lot fitter. He looks a lot, um, he looks to have some confidence back. Um, but you need more depth there. You need options. You need to be able to change that up during the game as well. And Munster don't have that luxury of that depth at the moment. So, you know, Malachi Fekitoa hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. He has been available. So he's not kind of um, fitting into the system and, and that's a disappointment when you go and sign a player of his caliber and have him, you know, um, played for for New Zealand and been been a top a top international when he's played. He doesn't seem to, uh, you know, be impressing the coaches there and, and do the job. And I don't know the ins and outs of why he's not getting selected, but um, they're obviously playing with a system where they're trying to to keep the ball alive and keep more continuity and, and, and they feel that Rory Scannell is 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 helping that system and able to slot into that system. So whether it's more understanding from Malachi Fekitoa and um to buy into what they're trying to do do there. But it's probably, you know, for Drico to talk about the centre partnership, he's an expert in that, I think. And obviously <laughs> you'd love to have um Without being disrespectful to Chris to Rory Scannell, I think he's he, he's shown the last couple of weeks that he is a quality player and he can step up. He, as I said, he looks a lot sharper. But you know, when you look at the other um, teams that potentially could win this competition, there's there's international players right across the board, top class international players. So there's a little bit of a depth issue there, as there is probably in the front row for Munster, and we saw that when they played Toulouse in May, the power. And the physicality and the pl- pl- type of players that Toulouse can bring off the bench, but um, he's he's doing a really good job at the moment, and I think that's uh, they've played much better in the last couple of weeks. And you think of Anton Frisch at outside centre, um, the more time you can get the, the ball in his hands at the moment, I think um, the better for Munster. Who wins it in a word, Quinny, if you can? Who wins it? Um, and what I've seen the last couple of weeks, I think Monster Monster can, can can get a result here against all the odds. Really, I think they can possibly win this one. Yeah, hard to back against them uh, at home. Racing Leinster Le have tomorrow. It's a game that's live and off the ball. They're obviously racing away from their home. What uh, I know you've been impressed with Racing's improvement up front enough for them to get the job done. 
Um, yeah, you can never say that against Leinster, can you? Because of of their ability and their quality, they're they're favourites for this competition. I think you'd you'd fancy um, Leinster and probably Saracens, Toulouse, maybe Clermont, La Rochelle. There's about five of them again that kind of are sticking their heads above the water there. That 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 can be potential winners. Uh, maybe you know, who knows? We'll see. We might we might. Um, we might see a, a surprise or two along the way, um, but um, I think Leinster, obviously, their 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 mentality and their quality can go to France and get a result. But I just think this one is it could be um, it could be tricky for them, you know. And it's one of those ones where it's just it's maybe about um, just getting the result, um, any sort of a result here, because sometimes with Leinster, the expectation is because of of um you know that the their standing in this competition and their their the way they've challenged in the last number of years and obviously won it uh on four occasions that you know they go and they just get these kind of results. I think they'll they'll be very mindful of the fact that they're going gonna play against a very physical side. A big side who uh Rassing are second in the top fourteen and they've been they've a lot of power and they focus a lot on their mall this year. And that was an area where, you know, I think they underperformed. And I think Leinster's Mall, obviously, is a very, very potent weapon for them as well. But I think uh, physically, um, we always know that Racing have quality outside and they have big, strong, abrasive players. But collectively, I just think they've improved a fair bit this season and they look like a side that have a bit of a hard edge to them up front. So it's going to be a physical game for, for Leinster, uh, one that they're very capable of winning for sure. But um, And look, I think Leo Cullen, Stuart Lancaster, they, they won't mind as long as they get if they get some sort of, any sort of a result as regards um, getting the win on board. But um, it's on in Le Havre. It's, it's moved from their 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 own ground, uh, the La Defence Arena in, in Paris. So it's a little bit of a strange scenario. There's a concert on there um, does that take away a little bit of that home advantage and that, that um, you know, for, for Racing playing at home, it's actually moving a little bit now. So um, I still think Leinster win the game, but I just think it's going to be a, a pretty physical challenge for them and um, it might not be as easy as some think. Yeah, they go uh, concerts first, actually, at the stadium, which is an unusual take on things. Uh, we sail Ulster on Sunday as well, and Connacht Falcons in the Challenge Cup too. One before we leave you, just in the RFU announcement during the week, the completion, obviously, of the review, the publication of that, the announcement of the €1 million Euro for uh, facilities and pathways, I think, is uh, how they've worded it. Uh, talking, as Shane said to Brian yesterday, he was talking about, uh, like, a million euros good, and it's never going to be enough, but generally seen as a, po- a, a forward step, a positive step. Yeah, well, it's the whole situation is much better than what it was. Okay, there's it's the same with the contracted players. The the actual uh, money that they're getting shouldn't be more. There's, there's there's always questions, and but I think what the RFU have done here and what they're what they um, um, what the report tells us is that there there needs to be more investment, and that investment is going to happen. They're going to set up regional centres of excellence. Um, there's a, going to be a big focus on improving the the All Ireland League, and I think that's where you've got to get the grassroots and the fundamentals of the game. And it's very similar in the men's game. And I've said this many times. You know, if you get your club game and get more players playing, more competition, increase the numbers, 
increase the skill sets um, of young girls playing the game. And I think the one thing that jumps out for me is is, is the, the centre of excellence that they're going to create in each province that, you know, there's a lot of good work going on there with, with coaching and development and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that they're really honing in on this now and, and trying to get more young girls who uh, increase their skill levels at a young age, but also try and strengthen the clubs. You know, it's very difficult when you have such dominance with the Dublin clubs and the All-Ireland League, and that's very, very obvious. Um, so around the country, you increase the, the competition, you get a more meaningful All-Ireland League that's more balanced. Um, that will take time because it's difficult to just um, put money at that and think it's going to work straight away. It's going to take a little bit of time. But I think they're the obvious improvements that are needed and the obvious changes that that's need to be focused on is to try and improve the All-Ireland League. And then in a simple terms, you get more girls playing, you get more competitive games and you get it more balanced. And that improves the, you know, the, the, the opportunities for girls to play really, really competitively. And there's not one-sided fixtures that we see a lot of at the moment. So, um, I think it's very, very welcomed. And I think, um, you know, the RFU are putting, putting into action now, um, uh, recommendations that have come out of the report. So, from where we were with all the, the controversy before, I think these are positive steps and positive things that are happening for the women's game. Yeah, all right, that is the name of the game. Uh, thanks, William. Enjoy the games. Thanks, lads. Alan Quinlan is always with us on a Friday. A reminder, by the way, as well, if you're looking for more uh, rugby chat, the only place to listen back to Monday Night Rugby, Wednesday Night Rugby, and to Brian as well in full is on the OTB uh, Rugby podcast feed. So wherever it is that you uh, pick up your podcast, you can head along there and subscribe. It's all free, and it's on the OTB app. So uh, go along there. It's the best place to get it. Right, it is almost ten past nine. It's Friday morning. It's myself and Shane with you until uh, ten this morning. And good morning to you, wherever it is you're at. I hope you're out and about safely. Um, there's a bit of frost and snow on the ground about the country, so um, do keep it safe this morning. Uh, we're brought to you live each morning, of course, by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. You can tune in to the lunchtime wrap today, uh, which brings you all the very latest in sports news and uh, with a particular focus on the World Cup at the minute. And that is all with thanks to Deliveroo. You can check out the uh, Deliveroo app for some great match day meal deals across the World Cup. Food, uh, Deliveroo food, we get it. Here is what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio across the day. Emmanuel Petit is a subject of of uh, OTB goal from one. Offaly as uh, the Mount Rushmore at three. Tony Sheridan will be the League of Ireland legend for Team 33 at four. And then uh, from one Kilban to another, no relation, I believe. Um, same neck of the woods, though. Johnny Kilban, the uh, great Ackle boxer. OTB gold from six o'clock today. You can follow uh, OTB across all of our social channels as well. Subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network for all the best in uh, and latest in sports content. After the break, we're going to be uh, joined on the line by Morris Deegan, who has just retired as a GA referee. He's going to reflect um, on his career with a whistle. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 12 minutes past nine, OTB AM. Shane and myself with you until 10. A very good morning to you and a very good morning to Morris Deegan. How are you keeping? Good morning, Adrian. Nah, not too bad in yourself. We were hoping to have you in the studio this morning, but I think the weather has scuppered us. <laughs> yeah, I was halfway up the N7 this morning and uh, it was like a... It was like a car park, so I decided to turn around and come back. It was a safer option, so it was. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's brutal out there. A reminder to everybody to keep nice and safe. Um, how's the body? 
body is sore now, Adrian. I'm not going to tell you a lie. <laughs> um, uh, I got a fair whack now on on Sunday. Um, my arm is sore. My wrist is sore, and the knee is not great. And the hip, I never felt that like it was like being in a car crash. So it was, to be honest. Yeah. It looked um, like uh, it took the wind out of you in that moment. You were down. I was watching. And I thought, Jesus, are you going to get up here? You were. Uh, it was a proper wallop. It was, to be honest with you, Adrian. The stubbornness in me. Uh, I said to myself when I got up and I looked up at the clock and it was about twelve minutes to go. And I said, Look, I've only another twelve more minutes of my intercounty career to, to referee here. So I said, I'll. I lost it out to stay going. <laughs> what, what, what's the contingency there? The, your, one of your assistants comes in and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fergal Kelly was the standby ref. He would have come in for me. Like, you know what I mean? So there was a contingency plan in place anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, uh, it's one of the hazards of the job. I suspect, Morris, that when you're weighing these things up, that's what? not, uh, not, not your priority. I would have thought in any given week that. <laughs> No, I know. I hadn't planned, you know, to be honest with you, you know, to be getting belt, to be getting hit by two 16 stone fellas, uh, half my age, and nearly drove me about 10 yards into the air. So, it doesn't, uh, I'm surprised in some regards because, like, by nature, the gig, you're, you're there and thereabouts with the action all the time, that it almost doesn't happen more often. Yeah, well, you see, to be honest with you, the lads would always be slagging me that I, I don't keep up with play. My problem was on Sunday, I was too close to the play. <laughs> so, um, what do you call it? Look, the, the way the game has gone, it's, as everybody knows, the speed of it has just, it has taken off. And to be a referee nowadays, I suppose you have to be able to, be as fit as the players like you know mm. does it does it seem strange or feel strange Morris to be referred to now as former intercounty referee it does Shane to be honest with you yeah I was down in Kerry yesterday you know just doing a bit of a run I met the Gooch down there you know and we were just chatting about it and uh, we what they call it uh, like you're walking through the streets and of course everyone is football mad down there and everyone is stopping you and saying what are you going to do now and what's the what's the plan and uh, for the future but uh, uh, to be honest with you I, I nearly I'm nearly happy that uh, I'm finished up I, I've had a great 22-23 uh, years at, at refereeing uh, inter-county to be honest with you so and like uh, the body can only take so much and I, as from what happened on Sunday I can tell you one thing Monday morning wasn't great waking it up <laughs> did, you, did you ever think when you first picked up a whistle that you'd you'd have that career that you end, ended up having three All Ireland finals, 08, 2012 and the replay in twenty sixteen? It's not bad. No, well, to be honest with you, Shane, I only I only went into it uh, like I, I think I've said it loads of times. Like I, I'd say about twenty three years ago, twenty four years ago, I was in my home club in Stradbally, and uh, I there was a, a practice match going on, and I was up there with the my fiance at the time, my, my now wife Ashling, and uh, I, um, I what do you call it? Uh, the secretary came over to me and said, "Look, Morris, would you have to referee the match?" I had a, a, a jeans on me and a denim jacket, and sure. I said, "Look, I'll do it for you." And I done it, and uh, way it went, I didn't foresee that I would end up doing three All Irelands, as you said, Shane. To be honest with you, and. Uh, and I've been one of the lucky ones in a sense that uh, I've had a great career with refereeing and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it between what friends I've met and uh, what people I've met and places I've travelled all over the world through it like 
You've just turned 50, I think, so is that, you, you have to bow out at this stage, Morris, is that the... Adrian, I haven't turned 50 yet, no. <laughs> I don't want to don't be, be too, don't be too hard on me. I have, another, I have another two weeks to go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say two years there for a second. No, no. Offend, how actually offended are you? Um, <laughs> so it's, it, it, the, because of that, you have to bow out. Is that the, the regulation yeah, at the minute? Yeah, that's the regulation. You have to bow out at 50. Uh, you basically have to hang the boots up and Basically, if your your intercounty refereeing career is finished, um, and and like, look, in some cases, I, I'm probably I, I probably fit enough to go for another two or three years yeah. if needs be. But I suppose you have to have some sort of a a benchmark as to when a referee has to finish. Do you know? So yeah. it does feel look, like kind of if if you were up like fifty now is not. Uh, and you know I'm not a huge amount behind you uh, 50 now is not what it used to be in terms of uh, you know fitness and, and general approach and stuff like it does feel as if particularly in a sport where like we're crying out for quality referees and for referees to stay in the game and that well yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think myself maybe like do you know how to look for myself personally I'm happy to go bow out at 50 but uh, I'd say as you said like uh Maybe it probably needs to be looked at, uh, especially with, uh, I suppose, with whether we we don't probably have the same number of referees there as before as we used to have, like, you know, so like it's getting harder and harder to recruit more referees. But I, I think the biggest problem is you might recruit the referees, but the biggest problem in my eyes is probably retention of referees, trying to keep them. Uh, refereeing, you know, that's 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 my my opinion anyway. Like. What's the biggest barrier to that? Sure, obviously you know yourself. Uh, the, the white elephant in the room is 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 obviously uh, the abuse of referees. Like, do you know that's that's probably the big one, and that's what everyone is talking about at the minute. We've had um, myself and Shane have been chatting to David Goff, Martin McNally in recent months. It was particularly on the back of the Roscommon incident uh, not that long ago. Yes. Um, about their own experience of it. Um, in all your years as a ref, what, what's your level of exposure to that, be it verbal or physical or otherwise? Well, to be honest, I've been one of the lucky ones. I've never been physically abused uh, as a referee, but as regards verbally abused, uh, yes, have. Club is probably the worst uh, when it comes to verbal abuse because it's at a more local level. Um, but I, I think at intercounty level, the big one is obviously social media. Like so, like it, it's it's it can drive uh, referees over the game because a, a lot of, of people are are into Facebook and Instagram and all these different things. Now I'm not on any of these forums, um, and I think it's a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, I don't see what's going on. The only knock-on effect for me probably is my family sees it. I have two kids. And they probably see it uh, quicker than than anyone else will, like you know. So, like there is a human side to it uh, for the referee if the if the, the social media bandwagon gets 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 rolling, like against the referee. And I've said it in the past: the referee will make hundred hundred and fifty decisions in a game. There'll be two or three big decisions in that game, and if he gets two or three of them right, he's a great fella. If he gets one of them wrong. Well, then he's vilified for it. Uh, whatever about the the social media aspect and the on pitch abuse, Morris. Like you, you talked there about you know being down in Kerry and people come up to you in the street asking what you're up to next. Like over the last twenty two, twenty three years, have you had incidents where on the street people are coming up and saying, "Jesus, you you screwed us there at the weekend"? Or no, I, no. To be fair, Shane, no, I, I've never ever had that. Like, do you know what I mean? In, in all my times, any time that I, I've been out and 
look at uh, your, your if you're going on holidays or you're walking down the street or whatever it is, uh, the general perception out there with 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 people is like keep it going, you're doing a good job, and and uh, and like people generally want to just talk to you about the match and how you got on and. You know, generally, them type of people aren't aren't the ones that will confront you. Do you know what I mean, Shane? Mm. Uh, I I generally found it now myself that uh, I was getting a, it was a very positive approach. Uh, um, that was that was from my side of things. Like we we could be walking down myself, and my wife could be walking down the street, and she got she's getting so you she got so used to it now that uh, someone could stop me. And like I don't want to be ignorant right, like that and say look I don't want to talk to you. I'd always talk to people and make sure I make time for them and, and Ashley could be gone 20 hours down the road and I'd have to run after her try to catch up because <laughs> she's gone so used to it at this stage you know I almost feel like you know GA could learn a lot from rugby in terms of the decorum and the, the respect given to, to referees like do you feel like and it's something we spoke to we spoke to the lads uh, David Goff and Martin McNally about but should referees be mic'd up in, in whether it's in the county and club football like would that would that improve the level of abuse well I've been a big advocate for this about uh, being mic'd up um, I think to be honest with you if 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 we're mic'd up and everyone can hear we'll say what uh, the referee is given a decision for well then everyone knows what the decision is for and there's no ambiguity like and uh, i i think going to go to, to to be able to we'll say push push the the future of refereeing on that a little bit further i think that's a big 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 ask and i think that's the way to go definitely going forward one of the reasons but the, I... but, the, but the problem is though we have at the, at, the, at the end of it all, we have to realise that it's not only intercounty because you'll probably only do that intercounty. There is the club scene there as well, which is massive as well. Mm. I think um, like one of the reasons that was brought up at the time around the intercounty bit, anyway, Morris, about the uh, micing up was that like obviously, unlike the professional game, the players are going back to day jobs afterwards, and they might have been caught saying something on on mic yeah. that maybe they shouldn't have been. Is that enough of a barrier to um, to not do it? Do you think or yeah? Well, well, look, I suppose after, if you do it a few times, whatever, like the player will get used to it. Like, you know, the player will learn just as quickly as the referee, as the referee has to learn by it. You know, so I think education is a big thing. Uh, like players, no more than anyone will know the rules as well as the referees, especially at inter-county level, because of the amount of education that they are are treated to, especially by like it's it's the way players are now at inter-county level like they will know most of the rules uh, uh, going forward like you know so I don't see that as being an issue Jeez, it'd be great for clarity because it would oh for, brilliant wouldn't yeah. it like you know I agree yeah brilliant yeah. you know like yeah. American football is an example where you're at it and like you're looking at the game and you're not sure what's that decision been given for the referee will literally be on mic to the stadium to say here's why that happened I mean and if yeah. you look at it in an Irish context David again was chatting about the <clears throat> excuse me the last time we had him on about like the lack of understanding of the rules from pundits. So like that evening, you've refereed in an Ireland final. That evening, it gets picked over in fine detail by the Sunday game or ourselves or whoever it might yeah. be. And not yeah. everybody's on top of the rules. But equally, like we don't have the access to the likes of yourself to say, well, why why did that call happen, or what was your understanding of what happened there? Um, and that can pundits tend to fill that void with mm-hmm. um, with opinion that that might not at times be uh, be accurate. 
I think, to be honest with you, Adrian, I think that's probably a little bit of a shortfall on the likes of RTE or any pundits like that, is that they probably don't have a referee uh, sitting sitting there so that they can ask them questions like there and then. And when I say a referee, uh, I mean someone that has refereed the game or something like that. And, and I put my name forward now. Well, listen, like yeah. Somebody recently <laughs> <laughs> retired Andrew Gandhi referee. And I put my name forward there now or anything. But I just think, as you said, it would give way more clarity, like, do you know what I mean, to to decisions that referees have have given tr- uh, during a game. And uh, as I go back to it again, like, the referee is only human at the end of the day. And it, and and really and truly, like, it'll be two or three decisions that the referee will be judged on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And there's no point saying any different because that exactly is what he's going to be judged on. It's the same as a player. If a player gets the ball and he, he has three chances at goal and he scores one, they're all going to talk, well, what about the two he missed? Do you know? That's yeah. it's just the nature that uh, that we're it's just the society that we're in. Like you know, you mentioned Morris there. The players, you know, mostly knowing the rules at the minute. I guess, um, yeah. And look, to an extent, the, the rules have have changed that much in the last couple of years. It's it's tough to keep up sometimes. But is in some ways this a good time for you to step away because you? I look at things like the advanced mark, for example, and uh, you, you almost wonder yeah. how do referees how do how, how can you possibly judge it sometimes? Well, like the advance mark is very hard. Like there must be, there's three or four different like uh, scenarios that the referee has to think of. So obviously, is the player outside the 45 and he kicks the ball in? Two, is he 20 meters away? Three, did he get, have a clean catch? Four, did he put the arm up? Do you know? And then when he gets it, then he's 15 seconds to kick it. So uh, on the advance mark, yet yeah, that's probably a, uh, the hardest one. We'll say to. How would you put it? It's probably the hardest, uh, we'll say, a rule to referee uh, and to get it right all the time. Uh, the mark in the middle of the field is easy enough, do you know? But I, like, like they're, they're improving, they're bringing in new rules. They're probably imp- uh, trying to improve the game. Do you know what I mean? To be mm-hmm. fair, like, do you know? So, uh, as you said, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to be a refereeing at club level in leash. Like, do you know what I mean? But at Intercounty, I'm finished, like, you know, so mm. I, I still enjoy refereeing it. Uh, probably the biggest thing I will miss will probably be the buzz of going to the matches and obviously uh, the buzz in the in the car when the five when the five are, are driving up to a match and the, and the bit of crack that we'd have coming home and and, uh, and stuff like that. Would you have always brought the same team with you, Morris? I'd have a pick of about six or seven lads that would always come with me all the time. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Um, they would come with me all the time. And I'd say down through the years, I've probably had about 23 or four lads. Do you know what I mean? Whereas some lads have just uh, finished up and stuff like that. So, uh, like, I've met great friends uh, from it for life. And, like, uh, like I'll, uh, I- I'll never forget that, like. Would you pick them for the All-Ireland Final as well, or does that come from Crow Park? Yeah, no, no, I'd pick them. I'd pick them. I remember one year I was doing the 2008 All-Ireland Final, and I had five lads that I generally would have picked all the time, that would have come at me all the time. And I had to ring one of them five to tell him that he wasn't going to be involved in the All-Ireland. Now, that was hard now. Very hard. You know, I said, yeah, no, that was, that's like being a manager of a team yeah. and saying that uh, whatever... Isn't playing. You're not. You're not picked for the for the final. It's funny those those three All Irelands that you did referee Morris all stand out as quality finals. Like Tyrone beating Kerry in 08. You'd yeah. Uh, Donegal beating Mayo in 2012, and then the 2016 yeah. replay. Yeah. Uh, like do do any moments in particular stand out as as career highlights for you? 
Oh, I tell you, uh, after the Mayo Donegal um, All Ireland final, uh, Donegal had won the, the, the All Ireland final. I think the first time in I don't know forty, years. fifty years, yeah. whatever it was. Oh, ninety-two, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they brought out a seat for us and we sat down in the middle of the pitch after the match and the crowd just started singing the hills of Donegal. It was just electric, you know, and there had been no hassle in the game. Every player and all the manager were coming up and shaking your hand after the game and, and you knew you had done a good job so you could actually sit down and relax because the the stress and the tension lead and pressure leading into the game because it was a big game in 2012 because it was a novel final and I, I even remember trying to get to the pitch uh, that the the crowds outside Croke Park even trying to get in was was ridiculous like you know um it, it was just it was it was just a brilliant feeling I'll never forget and like all my family were there at uh, at the match as well and and just t- little moments like that you know and uh and especially the All Ireland final on the Saturday with Dublin and and Mayo under under the lights, like the the atmosphere on the Saturday night, especially on the Saturday night game under the lights was just electric. Because them Dublin Mayo games uh, back then were probably the highest caliber of games you could ever come across. Uh, I'd say in the last twenty years. Mm, so special. Any player that stands out, Morris, has been particularly, uh, how would I, I actually, it? I put that way, I said to myself, I said, I'll dry up a list here now because I knew myself as a player. When we asked this we're, question, we're, we're what, what, what players do I think? Go like, on. Colin, Coop, Colin Cooper stands out. As, a, as yeah. a, 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 one of the better ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. As, as in, would never the... give you any back chat or. Well, no, I never said that, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> You're talking about footballing talent here, I suppose. Yeah, I'm talking talent. about footballing talent. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask about the, the ones that were particularly tricky to uh, to referee. <laughs> save, save he, it sounds like he's in that category straight off the bat. <laughs> well, I was talking to Colm yesterday. Now, it's just a funny story because uh, we were just chatting and uh, Colm comes up to me and he says, I never gave you much hassle. He says, did I down through the years? Well, I said, I remember one time I said, in the All Ireland Club final, I says when you were playing Schlock Neil, and uh, I remember you were running up to me uh, after about twenty minutes or twenty-five minutes. You were coming up to give out to me over uh, over a free that I was after giving to Schlock Neil, and I turned around to you and I says, uh, "I says, Colin, um, where's your gum shield?" <laughs> so he had to turn around and run straight back to the sideline to get a gum shield off someone else tail between his legs straight away yeah 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 yeah. that was him started sort of before I could even before I even done anything um, cute carry lads I like it. gum shield yeah, socks exactly. probably yeah, I wasn't even in the song. <laughs> but like some players like the likes of Brian Doerr was he was just an exceptional player, a great leader on the team. Uh, like Sean Kavna come to mind like straight away. Like Lee Keegan, another one. He was a gent, a gent. Really? On, uh, off the field, a very, very nice fella. On the field, uh, gave it 110% now, to be fair to him. Do you know what I mean? Michael Murphy, uh, very good player. Hard to handle at times, but very, very good player. Like, what do you, you know mean? What yeah, I mean? What, what's the nub of that? Like, just sort of always looking for that. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I told him a couple of times. If you wanted to whistle, I give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that I'm sure sort of. Uh, what, what's the nature of that? Stuff? Is, are they like, 
Like when p- players are onto you like that, is that because like you know the the, the you know, uh, like the, yeah, like they're questioning your every decision. Like do you know yeah. what I mean? Which is fair enough. Like and mentally, you have to be very strong for that. Like do you know so. Like it's probably part and parcel of the game. It's the same in soccer, rugby, anything, any sport. Like if the referee is seems weak mentally, well, obviously, like the players are going to really hone in on that, and they're going to do you know, do you know, because if, for argument's sake, the referee gives a decision and there's three or four of them try to intimidate him to try turn it around but the referee stand well maybe the next time he might not give the free mm, as quickly mm, do you know what I mean mm. it's only human nature I keep going back to it the referee is just as, is, is as human as the players are mm. Manager, managers are supporters are um, I suspect if you're open to a call down the track when there's been um, an incident we'll certainly have you on again we really enjoyed your uh, company over the last 25 minutes thereabouts thanks a million <laughs> and, and congrats on a brilliant career mm. Adrian Shane thanks a million totally Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks a million, Morris Deegan, uh, now former uh, GA counter referee. Really interesting pick through Class. the life and times, essentially. Yeah, unbelievable. And uh, look at those three finals, and you forget that that the, the relief you must get, as Morris said, after the 2012 final, where you haven't been involved in a yeah. controversial or major decision, and you can probably sit down with the family and watch the Sunday game, watch yeah. the match back. Good idea there. Yeah, because yeah, if you if you if you had a howler and, and, and a clear mistake. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be let forget it uh, forget about it too easily. So, I think uh, the mic thing is a great idea. I've I never actually when he opened his mouth, I realised I'd never heard him. I didn't couldn't tell you what he what he sounded voice, like. Yeah, you forget. Yeah. There's only a certain select one or two referees, maybe who you know, like yeah. David Goff. We've had on a couple of times, but you, yeah, you don't know what we they should, sound like. Uh, we should put that right. That's a like as a just a general refereeing thing. I do. Yeah. Think well, at least uh, Morris has his own leash. Actually, Dermot Derm- Gallagher has a couple of hybrid actions. Well, we can bring him. We take bring your pick. Yeah, exactly. Right, you're off to the Christmas weekend plans, Shane. Oh, you're asking me again? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was on to, I had to get on to Owen about this afterwards last week and apologise to him. That yeah, fair. Could have, you know. I was at a great thing last night, actually, uh, Shanakia, it was called. Uh, right, what was that? Storytelling in uh, Fumbly Lane. So it was right. kind of just uh, 13 different people stood up and it's almost like spoken word. Right. Telling different stories and a couple of glasses of wine and a little bit of poetry as well. So felt very cultured leaving yeah. last night. The week, you weren't actually one of the Shanakees. I wasn't, no, I was there and uh, was there uh, as, a, as a member of the public yeah. to watch. Really, really good. Highly recommend people to, to look right. it up. Shanakee here, it's called. Um, and then, yeah, Christmas party tonight will be a little less cultured, maybe. Mm. I'll control myself. I have a big game for Monaghan Town FC tomorrow. Oh, have you? Yeah, we have a, a league game against Killylaw at four o'clock in, right. uh, in Go to Keegan up in Monaghan. And we have a team team Christmas party slash bonding session afterwards. So, right. <laughs> big couple of days, big couple of nights, Adrian. Very good. Thanks for asking, though. Enjoy. Listen, that's, that's what I'm here for. I think we can make that a regular thing. Uh, <laughs> Um, very good uh, OTBM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day it is uh, 9.35 on this Friday morning and before we go we're delighted to announce a uh, drum roll that Gary Redmond has been selected as the final winner of our Leopardstown Christmas Festival giveaway so congrats Gary enjoy that a reminder that the Leopardstown Christmas Festival will take place from December 26th to 29th uh, really easy to get out there as well if you're um, around Dublin on the Lewis get on out and uh, enjoy your racing over the Christmas OTBM back Monday morning it'll be Jerry Shane and uh, the incredible Incredible, it says here, Gillette Performance Labs uh, performance rankings. Uh, we'll be live in Qatar with uh, the Irish Times journalist Gavin Comiskey. We'll have all the reactions well to the opening weekend of the Champions Cup and, of course, the uh, quarterfinals of the World Cup. Plenty as well. Besides, OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.